Can you believe it's been six months since our very first episode? And um, you know what started off as a as a lockdown hobby, uh, maybe not a hobby, but sort of something to do. Let's just call it that. Um, has turned into a bit of a weekly show where we get to talk about the latest things that have happened here, not just in Oz. Uh, but also motorsport and outside of the world um, in terms of news and and what we're driving. And um, coming along this journey has been Joel Strickland, and he's here tonight at Joel Strick Photo, as well as uh, Mick McWilliams at Low Flight Tech. how do you how are you going, guys? Uh, it's been a, hey, it a long but fast six months. <laughs> I thought you were saying it had been six months since last time I'd actually dialed in because it feels well, it like felt that. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you going, Joel? It's been a while. Good, gents. Uh, so it's uh, it's been a been a, it's been an interesting journey. We've um, we've slowly seen our uh, our numbers rise, um, and the wonderful people listening and sending their feedback as well. We've made a couple of tweaks over the time. We've had some longer shows, some uh, some shorter shows as well, and um, it's been been a pretty fun time. And we've seen some pretty interesting news. We've, we've followed uh, things like the the Holden uh, shutdown fallout and um, that sort of uh, ongoing saga between General Motors and uh, Holden dealers. As well as we've seen, you know, things like Ram and their sales absolutely skyrocket even during uh, what has been a pretty pretty challenging time. And um, we've also been able to talk about, you know, uh, a hybrid vehicle or at least a, a, a range of um, the in terms of the RAV4 and its hybrid variant topping the sales charts. Um, so, yeah, it's been an interesting time over, the, you know, the last uh, 26 episodes. It sure has, and the, I think the sales, which is a horrible thing to try and focus on in a time like this, but it's you know you you go with what you've got. Um, I think the sales have been a very telling sort of um, uh, litmus test for the rest of the market. Like everything is sort of going downhill, and we did see that slight blip at the end of the financial year too. Um, yes, which did. also told us about not just what was going on in the market itself, but also the levers that the government has tried to pull to try and, you know, get a few extra sales going. I think they've they've done a reasonably good job of that, considering of how how testing the the conditions are. Um, but we did see those uh, a whole bunch of luxury marks have a very good June because everyone was trying to get those final tax advantages before the end of the financial year. So I think they did a, a reasonable job there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the the biggest thing that and I know this um, certainly bit Joel hard as well was the absence of motorsport. That we're going through at the start of the year, but we've mm. seen that progress now to something um, of a bit of a a festival, a bit of a motorsport party. We've been having races, you know, like every weekend in a row with one week break for Formula One and um, V8 supercars have been racing their little hearts out as well. Um, and also the yeah. E-Series. So it, it kind of yeah, it, yeah. It gave great um, exposure to not only the the people who are already involved in the virtual series that have been growing over the last few years, but also we've seen it become a lot more mainstream with, you know, Formula One drivers getting involved in their virtual Grand Prix as well as, um, you know, the <laughs> uh, rig setups have, have gone. You know, we've seen um, budget builds all the way through to, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of builds, you know, in Valtteri Bottas's uh, wonderful finish home. Um, yep. And um, Joel, you've, you've 
you know, you've been following it a lot closer um, uh, than myself. And, and But it seems like you've had a, what, what was quite a challenging time and, and, and um, obviously for teams as well, a very, very challenging time. But it, it has become, like what you said, uh, Mick, a, a celebration of sorts and um, actually turns out to be quite a great thing as a, as a spectator and as a, um, a motorsport motor enthusiast. It's been one of the most unprecedented seasons we've ever seen in terms of just what we've had to go through. I mean, we're going to talk about it shortly, but there's some exciting news for Aussie motorsport fans tonight. But back to when we had our original sort of Australian Grand Prix, where it was, uh, you know, the failed where it got cancelled, you know, we didn't know how long we are going to have to wait for, for motorsport, but the Formula One, as well as supercars, have, and even IndyCar and, you know, NASCAR to a certain effect, have done a great job of being able to turn around their seasons and actually put it on. But for mm. Formula One to create their own effective bubble, so to speak, with what they've done um, and be able to continue on and then have back-to-back races and, and to be I'm sure there's no crowds and it's a sad sight to see these um, mm. tracks being run with no... Like last weekend, watching the race, there was... Um, or the weekend... No Tifosi, yeah. Yeah, it was just such a sad-looking thing, you know, with, with these empty grandstands and everything else. But Particularly give... such a thrilling race. You know, it was so far the most drama-filled race. And, no, um, the t- most drama-filled race is when we had tyres, when, when, you know, not, fin- not being able to finish a race, you know. That was the most dramatic race of yeah. the year. And <laughs> no, it has, finishing no, the race with on a tyre that was disintegrating. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and still won the race. Like, that yeah. has to be... There'll never be another race flagged. like that, you know. Yep. I'm sure we had a red flag last time, but... The, <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat. I, I was excited. I was excited at the thought of, you know, uh, when, that, when that race uh, restarted and uh, Hamilton went in for the to serve the penalty. And, and all of a sudden we saw um, not only uh, an Alpha Tari, uh, McLaren, but also we had Raikkonen <laughs> right up there. <laughs> yep. and, I'm, and I was saying to the friends who I, I we sit in a call and, and watch the race because we're all over the um, from different parts of the world. And, and I said, oh, could you believe it? Could you believe if, um, you know, one of these, you know, or if all three of them end up on the on the podium, how insane would, would that be? Um, um, but uh, what I think has been, what has shown um, or, or has been quite surprising for me with Formula One this season is um, the actual flexibility and th- how agile they've been in responding to the crisis and then being able to still come up with not only just uh, a, a condensed season in terms of, you know, how many back-to-back races there are and, and the limited breaks in between, but also the types of tracks that they're, they're managing to, um, you know, include in the calendar and to actually have successfully run. Um, and and makes me question, you know, if, if we had under the old ownership, would we have been able to pull the same thing off compared to Liberty Media's ownership? Mm, that's um, a good question. You know, it, because of the obviously the you've got two different types of management styles under each of those types of Formula One. Um, but it's been amazing as a spectator to see, you know, races like at Mugello this weekend, um, where in the practice sessions in Inquali, we're seeing 5.6 Gs on a corner. Um, and we're not just seeing that once, but we're seeing, you know, constant yeah, corners because it's such a high... Yeah. It is corner after corner after corner after corner. It is um, of, of over... 
four and a half Gs. It's I was thinking that the other day, actually, when I was watching practice and just thinking, you know, you don't really think about the drivers and because you're watching it on TV, you don't think about the G-forces that they're getting applied to them. Mm. The drivers are going to be doing these, you know, these high 5G corners constantly, one after the other for, for two hours. For 90 minutes, yeah. <laughs> they'll, you know, they'll be getting in there for like pit stop and going, oh, 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 that's good, okay, I'm off. You know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it, it came across in the, um, and, and we can talk about it once we actually get to the motorsport, but um, there was a radio from uh, Ricardo's call oh, yeah. after, <laughs> yeah. and he's, he was out of breath talking yep. over the radio. He was like, wow, that really took it out of me. And it made me think when you look at uh, like fighter pilots, and the types yep. of Gs that they are exposed to and the length of time. So yep. they, they are able to pull higher Gs. So even, you know, seven, eight Gs tends to be sort of like the absolute peak um, from what I can recall anyway. I, I'm probably wrong, but sort of they experience those for a sustained period, but usually in a very limited sense um, yep. where you're talking about five five let's even just call it four and a half g like that is still a huge number for the majority of the track for what is going to be a length of time so we're thinking the driver impact so imagine how those guys are going to feel by the end of this race because they're already feeling it after this um these practice sessions in the quality and it also makes so it goes that and how's it going to wear these cars because these cars wouldn't have been exposed to these types of um lateral g-forces these, for sustained periods for so yeah. long um and we do know notice, that have you guys noticed um what's the what's the brake utilization like it's not particularly high is it? no it's not and, but you have to then okay. ask, well, what, what about cooling and what about keeping the brakes warm? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but also are there going to be things that become exposed, like say let's, at the, let's say at the start of the race where they might bump wheels or they might bump, you know, a, a bit of argy-bargy elbows out kind of thing. And um, carbon fibre, we all know that if there, if there is a, a crack or a fracture or, a, or anything like that, that inherently weakens the entire structure. So what is that going to mean over a race over this period of time experience those high G's um, that might not you know, become apparent. Do some failures? Yeah, Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? It, it, we could get a very interesting race. We could get a very boring race here. Um, but that's F1, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hit the random number generator and, and see what we yep. get. Um, but look, let's yep. let's get into to some of our news um, or, or what we've been driving just quickly. I know that Mick, you've um, you've been busy in the weeks that you haven't been here. Um, so maybe give us um, run through I'll the give, list of what we've been driving. I'll try and, and keep it brief. Give, us, yeah. uh, give yep. us one good thing and one bad thing. How about that? Oh, okay. I can do that. Okay. So um, the Corando Ultimate, uh, 1.5 litre turbo, um, South Korean, more affordable version of the South Korean type of uh, market. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of expected to go into it and get a bargain basement very simple type of car i mean it's thirty seven thousand yeah. dollars it's not like a bottom so this of a tree is, or anything. so this is from sangyong right sangyong that's right yeah. now they're um the previous versions i've sat in a few sangyongs previously and i thought they were pretty okay not great mm -hmm. you know you can mm -hmm. see how people will be buying because they're the value choice and all that sort of stuff yeah. um and when you get into the corando there is a few things that you look at and go, oh, that's a bit cheap. Like the door trims, for example, they don't have a, a speaker, um, like a speaker cover. They'll have, um, it's just a, a cutout mesh 
right, in a plastic okay. door bin, in a, mm-hmm, in a plastic mm-hmm. door card. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. a, a separate speaker. So that looks a little bit cheap. Um, there's a few things in there that could be that could look a little bit better. But ultimately, the car itself, it, it's about the same sort of same footprint as a Tucson, mm-hmm. a little bit lower, a little bit lower center of gravity. But the 1.5 turbo um, with the, I think it's a six-speed auto. I really should have looked that up before we got to it. But it just, it drives so good. Like the day-to-day driving of this thing is unbelievable. My wife loved it immediately. Like after the first yeah. day, she kept saying, "Oh, you know, I'll take the Sangyong today," mm-hmm. um, even though I'd um, replaced it with my own new shiny car that we bought her the other day. But she wanted to get into the Sangyong because it was because <laughs> I wouldn't buy her an SUV. So yeah. <laughs> we. Um, but it's just a it's a really nice car. Like really good stereo. The seats are really comfy. The space is really good. The kids didn't complain at all, which is which yeah. is a rarity. Um, the, Seven year warranty from what I'm seeing as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so I'll... it's it, it seems to be sort of five star rated as well in terms of um, safety rating. Um, it just seems yep. like I don't really hear as much about the Sangong vehicles anymore because of the the influx of the other um, brands that have probably uh, are competing in this space. You know, you've got the you've got the MGs. Yeah. Um, you know, you know th- I think a, I think a lot of people had that same. Space. Yeah, that's right. It is very competitive space, and I, I think particularly now too. The um, this is one of the points about the sales, and I'm sure I missed the sales report last yeah. week or the week before. Um, Kia up again how why mm. <laughs> seven year warranty i think has a lot to do with that because people are looking at the moment a fair bit of uncertainty they want something and it's going to keep going and they're going to be covered for a long period of time because they might not have the money to be able to update in the future so they're looking for something kind of affordable with a long warranty for that mm-hmm. little bit of extra peace of mind the the smaller version of the corando which is the tivoli you can't buy one i think they've pulled it off their website at the moment because they've completely run out of stock so somebody has pushed the I want an affordable button, you know, with a seven-year warranty. Yeah. And they've just gone. They've completely run out mm-hmm. of stock. And I, I think I've I've seen a few of these Corandos start popping up around um, where I live at the moment in sort of um, regional um, Queensland. I've seen a few of them pop up, but only now because I've seen one and I've been in one and I quite liked it. I'm starting to see them around a little bit more. But you're right. There's I don't think there's a lot of stock to be had. Mm. Because completely um, honest, they've they've completely fallen off my own radar. Um, yep. Even though when I'm looking at these specs, it's pretty impressive. So you have adaptive cruise control, dual zone climate control, sunroof, power windows, um, with auto up and down um, on the front, power tailgate, power oh, sorry, power tailgate, push button start, yep. tire pressure monitoring, rain sensing wipers, LED daytime running lights, auto headlights, power folding and heated mirrors, privacy glass, 10.25 inch digital driver display, leather seats, heated leather steering wheel heated and cooled front seats you know it's a huge list yep. of things for 37 gr- you know 36 grand heated, or whatever. heated rear seats who yeah. heats their rear seats in a 37,000 yeah. dollar car yeah. it's crazy yeah. the only downside was and I needed to find something bad here no native um, GPS yeah so you're gonna run well, Android Auto most most you know I, I found that um, on the flip side, I'm using because uh, I'm driving. I'm driving the Subaru XV Hybrid this week, and um, Subaru have kind of gone down that same route as well, where they don't include nav anymore. Um, yep. And I think because the assumption is that you'll be using your phone, and I think on a on a cost saving point of like on a cost saving side, it's it's pretty clever because if the majority of the customers are not going to be buying it, well, it makes sense that you might as well save the money 
and um, yeah, I think so. You know, the other issue lower, is too is offer upkeep. a lower drop. Yeah, you got to do you got to do map updates, which obviously isn't yeah. a, isn't a consideration when yeah. doing Android Auto. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are starting to recognise those particular yeah. practicalities. And if you're not in a more premium vehicle where you're doing over the air updates and stuff like BMW, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah, yeah. And um, also, so, if you're using um, uh, yep. Like Google Maps now, you can, you, if you are, like, say, for yourself, uh, Mick, if you are out in places where your mobile phone coverage might not be great, um, you can download offline parts of maps as well. So even yep. that whole um, concern around, well, what if I go out in a place where I don't have mobile phone coverage, I won't have a map? Well, if you plan ahead a little bit, I know that everyone's not great at planning sometimes, but if you know <laughs> that you're going in a bit of a dodgy place yep. um, in terms of signal, you can download, like if you use something like Google Maps, and that's across both Apple You know what? What doesn't, what, doesn't, what doesn't Google realize that when I put my destination in and just go, hey, where you're going doesn't got yeah. really great reception, I'll yeah. download that map for you. Well, it will... It will cache I'm sick a of these amount, lazy phones not doing things for me. <laughs> Look, it's all about protecting your data, okay? All right? It's all about saving you money. Excuses. Um, it's no. excuses. You're on the take. Yeah. I can tell. <laughs> that's right. Um, this, uh, this episode brought to you by... Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but so um, let's, uh, let's jump into... What, was, what were you driving next uh, after that? I-30N Fastback. Mm-hmm. Oh, my so goodness. That's what the, a good-looking the, car. It's the luxury the pack. Yeah. Yep. It's got everything... Yeah, and when I say everything, I mean three pedals that doesn't miss out on one and go for two, which you'll have to wait until 2021 to do that, or you lazy people out there. Um, but this is such an easy car to drive in in manual as well and so much fun. Mm. Yeah. Man, it's just... Uh, I've driven three or four, I think, i30Ns now, and it just... It just the, the edge doesn't dull. Every time I mm. get in them, they're fun. And this one here with the additional luxury, like the all nice little bits and pieces, like um, the push-button start and stuff... It's just... It's still missing a few safety features. and It is. Well, it doesn't have um, blind spot monitoring. It doesn't have active cruise control. So it's got a few things that you might become accustomed to in another car. I I might... If you're using this as a as a as a, I might argue car, with that. I might argue with you in that regard that mm. they're not safety features; they're nanny features. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Be- yeah, because those technically they fall under that. Um, only if they work all the time, though. Yeah. So that radar cruise control, I mean, if you're tailgating somebody close enough to need um, radar cruise control, mostly on the highway, you shouldn't be using it when you're in. Um, bumper to bumper traffic because it can already get confused when you have people merging in front of you suddenly it's really that radar cruise control is supposed to be keeping you safe on the highway if you're not paying attention on the highway you're already not safe mm. that's, that's my argument blind spot mm. monitoring is a fair call but I, the mirrors on the i30ns are actually a little bit wider the Veloster has got them as well. They've got good enough vision. I don't think you need blind spot monitoring. Well, the argument with the uh, with the i30n and the mirrors would be that if you're using it on a in a track environment, having the slightly larger mirrors in the better view um, is going to be more helpful than blind spot monitoring. If you are, yep. like, say, on a track day and you want to keep an eye out for people coming, um, like who, who who might be passing you or whatever. So, um, I can understand why they they didn't do that, but. When you hit end mode, you can program it to turn off the autonomous emergency braking. Um, you can schedule it so every time you hit end mode, it w- it will turn that feature off completely. Because obviously, if you are going to the track, that's not useful. And we and Joel and I we talked about this last time when I when I drove the fastback. So, but yeah. So obviously, you love it. Anything that you didn't like about it? 
No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking. Uh, I, could, I couldn't think Supra? of it. Supra? You I had think, pretty good time yes. in that. Loved um, the Supra. Yeah. Loved it. Now, I know... <sighs> It's probably got a lot to do with my perspective because I haven't driven a lot of cars, a lot of press cars that are this fast, that are this mm. high performance. You know, these are like the next level up. It really puts it above things like the Stingers and the, um, what used to be the V8 Commodores and Falcons and things like yeah. that. This is a this is a different type of car. It's a different type of animal. It's, it's that next echelon. Mm. And when you, having said that, the next echelon above that, you're starting to push into the the Porsches region and and things like that. We took yep. about proper, very expensive sports cars that are starting with twos and threes rather than under a hundred grand. So my perspective probably isn't the same as other people's, but just as a vehicle on its own and just in its own right, it is, it's a really, really great car to drive. Like it's not, if you don't have it in sport mode, I found it actually to be a little bit lazy. Um, it, yeah. it, it was, it didn't feel very athletic and I, I got in and I thought, you know what, this is pretty fast because you can floor it and it goes hard. You know, it pulls pretty fast. Um, you can go around corners and it does pretty good. But as soon as you hit that sport mode, the, um, the transmission, like the give that the transmission normally has in the in the normal mode, disappears and it just grabs everything. It's like yanking the reins on a horse and really pulling it under your control. Mm-hmm. And I found once I did that, I could. It it was it was dangerous for yeah. for someone with me who has such a low tolerance for um, <laughs> responsibility. I just. Every time I got in it, and if I pushed that button, I, I just wanted to go do something naughty. Every time, mm-hmm. <laughs> I really struggled to not yeah. do it. So I had to, um, you know, it was like opening the fridge and seeing a beer and not having one. I just would not put it in sport yeah. mode because then I could just try and keep myself under control. Yeah. And did you find that a lot of people, you know, would want to talk to you, thumbs up? Oh my god. Etc. Yeah, a lot of yes. a lot of attention. I'm, you know, I, I, I really needed a. Um, a COVID baton or something just to swing and keep people away <laughs> because I had people coming up to me into the car park. I was, I was yeah. standing there um, looking at my phone, just minding my own business at a car park at, at Redcliffe. Yeah. And people were driving past and tooting and hey! Mm-hmm. And I had I had a carload of kids uh, in some old Camry. Uh, where was I at? Near Caboolture. They come in off the highway and just about ran me off the road just so they could all give me rigid digits and high fives out the window of their car yeah. as they were flying yeah. past. Yeah. Um, it's 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 definitely a rock star car. Um, I don't know whether it's because I mean it's red. It's got nice chrome wheels yeah. it looks fast it's a good looking car yeah. I don't know if they're doing it because it's a good looking car or if it's because they know it's a Supra and they've been waiting for the Supra to turn up I don't know if it's a mm. if it's a personal thing or not but yeah absolutely um, if you want some friends not that you can take them anywhere because it's only a two seater um, but the <laughs> aside from like even the practicality day to day like it's actually um, compared to the 370Z um, yeah you can put it's easy in to get in and out of fuel yep. economy can be pretty pretty good um, when you want it to be yep um, fairly compliant it's just you have to do be mindful of um, driveways of how steep they are um, yep. I had that experience but yeah I, I think it's a very livable car day to day you can do a good decent load of shopping or carry a good amount of um of, a, of luggage with you like i did that when we did the road trip um out to out, out west and and up north yep. and um yeah so i, I had a 
Yeah. The only thing I didn't There's... like was the was the space. The steering wheel is too close to my knees. Mm. It mm. needs yes. it needs more yeah. extension yeah. or more yeah. lift. The steering adjustment yeah. needs yeah. to be bigger. But aside from that, can't fault mm-hmm. it. To yeah. be honest, I loved it. Yeah. Okay. So Triton GSR. Yeah. Is, uh, next up. Look, it's a uh, trucks are trucks, I guess. In, in the end, but where the Triton kind of stands out, and particularly the GSR, it's supposed to be the um, the version that has a little, like you know, every every um, truck type has a special branding, like the FX4 Ranger or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, there's Z71s mm-hmm. for the um, Colorados, which is now dead. You know, all those brands all have a little bit extra that are kind of like a sticker pack type arrangement. They give you a couple yep. of little extra bits and pieces. But this one's got like a um, an actual diff lock. It actually can go off-road and do proper off-road stuff. So I think the GSR is probably a little bit above that regular sticker pack um, racer type format. And I took it out to uh, Blackbutt or out to Emu Creek, which is out near Blackbutt, um, just kind of west of the sunny coast. Mm-hmm. Nothing massively challenging, but it just did it so easily. And it's it's the same with a lot of trucks, you know, when you get them off the main road where they actually drive like trucks to dirt roads. It just it, you can see what they're designed for, and mm-hmm. the GSR did a, a magic job of that. Like we took the kids out there, and it was dusty and hot, and then randomly cold, and um, you know there was just trees everywhere, and rocks, and rough roads, and corrugations, and all that sort of stuff. And we were just enjoying the view. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't arduous or anything. I remember going camping in our 1985 Hilux when we were kids, like when it was actually brand new. Um, and that was, you know, no aircon or anything. So you got the windows down, the dust coming in everywhere, and everyone's like smacking each other in their head as the car rocks side to side on the skinny little road gripper tyres with a 2.8 litre non turbo diesel struggling to try and get up a hill, but, you know, just sort of lugging away. The GSR, we just got the stereo on, sitting in the aircon, you know. Oh, look, cows, you know. It was it was, it was, was just so easy and comfortable, and that's the great thing about modern trucks. And the, the Triton is um, very much a modern truck, and he kind of let down a bit by the six-speed auto, which I assume is tougher than the eight-speed that's in the Pajero Sport that basically does the same job. Mm. Um that was probably the really only the really only the downside was the six-speed auto, but the size of this truck I prefer to things like the um, I haven't driven the new D-Max yet that that's going to come later, um, but the large trucks like the Ranger and uh, and the like are kind of long and big when you're trying to park them, but the Tritons just seem really easy. Oh, and the GSR's got um, 360-degree camera as well, which isn't the greatest that's very handy yeah. resolution, but yeah. it was just this it's just not difficult driving a truck anymore. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. it's just so accessible and easy. The only thing is on-road um, handling. I've, I've heard good things about the Rangers. I haven't driven the new Ranger, so I can't really say, but the Triton on the road, normal driving, oh, mm. it just it just feels a bit too trucky. Well, I have, I have asked Ford about um, anything, and uh, they don't have any cars up here at the moment, um, up here right. in Brisbane. So, unfortunately, we can't uh, schedule anything um, to even do a bit of a comparison on that. Hopefully, that will change soon, or we might even have to bend the arm of a dealer somewhere if they want to um, lend us one. Um, To any of our dealer friends out there, uh, just uh, send us a sneaky email, shows at dailyautofix.com. That'd be awesome. Um, But okay, Uh, so... CHR... Yep. 
Cobert, that was the hybrid? <laughs> yes, it was. Um, ready to hate it, didn't hate it. Um, <laughs> it was... It's... <laughs> The, you know, the CHRs are pretty uh, polarising type of design. A lot of people look at it and think it's horrendous. The last one I had was yellow, and I looked at it and went, eh, what are you trying to do? You know, I didn't I didn't really get it. It looked like a bit of a Gundam um, Japanese, like I was expecting yeah. it to turn into a robot or something. Um, but this one, the red Cobra, it just, oh, it looked fantastic. The colours, the shapes, it, it was... I like cars that where you can um, find a point of interest. You know, you see a surface that's different to all the other ones that other car mm-hmm. makers haven't mm-hmm. used. And the CHR's definitely got that in spades. It's got a whole bunch of different scallops and shapes taken out of it and different surfaces moving in different directions. Even the way, like, it, it's, I, it's probably not the best way to describe it, but it looks like... Um, you know, in the bad sci-fi movies in the 80s where they give someone, like, a plastic face mask on the front and they pull it tight at the back and they sort of tie it at the back? That's yeah. kind of what the okay. what the CHR kind of looks like. But the whole visual weight moves from the front of the car, which is kind of smooth and round, to the back where there's a whole bunch of sort of details that... Yeah. Yeah, you expect possibly aren't going to work out. Um, yeah, but even like because the back as it comes around, it it. Yeah, I was driving the the yep. Duke not too long ago, and, we, and Don and I spoke about it, and um, I'm I'm fascinated that at, at at first I didn't I didn't realize it, but Toyota were definitely going after that Duke um, market because it wasn't too long after they had said that they had sold you know their millionth Nissan Duke, and um, in the updated styling of the Duke. I happen to um, have parked behind a CHR, a yellow one. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, if you took away the badges or, you know, it was at nighttime anyway, if you had them the same colour, I would reckon 60% of the time the owner would unknowingly walk up to the wrong car. They're that similar, particularly from the <laughs> rear. Really? Um, yeah. yeah, I think they've just really gone for the niche of you want a small or a compact SUV but doesn't fit the usual SUV sort of MO. Um, you want it to be a little bit sporty, yeah, a little bit you, different, um, but it doesn't really about the Duke? achieve too much. Because, I mean, I wasn't there, so. Yeah. but what, what was the what was the space like? I've got a Duke in a few weeks, but what did you think of the back seat space compared to the CHR? Because my daughter sat in the CHR and said it feels like it's enclosed, like a little bit cave-like, yeah. Yeah. but the actual space was good. Yeah, so I, um, I had trouble. It is compact. You don't want to yeah. be over six foot. Um, because of just how, kind of like how the in in, in the i30 and fastback, how that rear really slopes down quite aggressively and yep. encroaches on that that headspace, which is something not unique to Toyota or Nissan in terms of that. It is yeah, um, BMW right. have that problem with the X6 and the X4. They do the same thing. The sporty coupe style vehicles. Um, it's just the styling that they. It kind of they sacrifice that that functionality, and they've probably done the customer research of going. Most of the time, it's going to be one or two people, or at most yeah, a couple small kids, and that's you know, and that's and that's why they do the hidden um, uh, door handle on that second, you know, on that on on the rear doors and that kind of thing, yeah, just to make yeah. it look a little bit more more streamlined. Well, that's what I was going to say yeah. about the. Um, 
you know, where that horrible face mask ties together at the back of the CHR yeah. is where they come together and, uh, and they sort of get get to where, together where that mm-hmm. um, rear, so, where, where so that rear you... handle is. It yeah. actually crosses up together quite well and it, it mm. sort of ties into a whole bunch of disparate yeah. lines all sort of come together in those two rear door handles up the top on the on the C pillar. Mm. Horrible um, horrible uh, blind spot okay. up the back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit ordinary because of that whole cavernous back end there. Yeah. Um, but aside that, aside from that, it, it was quite good. I, I didn't do, mind Do you it. think you'd go for the... Would you pay the premium and go for the hybrid or stick to the petrol? You know, is, Look, is it like the, the RAV4 where, you know, the, the you know hybrid what, the, sales have gone gangbusters or do you think just on the impression on this one alone, would you do you think the hybrid is worth it? For the type of people that are going to buy this, buy the hybrid mm-hmm. um for me personally i wouldn't buy either because i find them both underpowered yeah okay more grunt please for mm. sure uh i heard, did i hear a rumor there's a gr version coming somebody else heard that i think so joel do you do you remember i i can't remember if we've discussed uh, i know that there's a few gr versions coming but i'm not sure if uh i can't remember um for the chr anyway if there is there should be because there's plenty of they've they've got um Bridgestone Ario 30s on there now, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. it, you can really chuck it into a corner. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like this, the other one was quite docile when I drove the 1.2 turbo. Um, standard tyres, I can't remember what the standard tyres were on those things, but they weren't particularly fantastic. Mm-hmm. But this one, I could really like once I figured out I had some grip there, you could really lean on this thing. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it just needs more power. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> okay. Looks. And good. what are you in this more week? Power. I'm in the mighty Corolla Ascent um, base model white. Uh, <laughs> it's two-litre non non uh, hybrid version. So this is the entry level, bottom of the line. Actually, it's not a manual, which is a shame, which would have been fun. But um, CVT um, fabric seats, key barrel. Um, I should Ooh, actually so not even push button start. Okay. No, I should really put a video up on the internet so kids can see what it is. Um, so you're going to say, does it have wind-up windows? Uh, Auto-up, yep. Ah, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Auto-up. I think it's all for auto-up too, if I remember rightly, oh. which which is good. Um, yeah. But, yeah, manual everything else. Um, but what I found quite surprising, so we've now got, and I know... I don't know whether necessarily this is a response to i30 had it for a while as well, but I think you had to get the go pack. But they've got the uh, radar cruise control on the base model, which is which mm. is pretty fantastic, I think. Yeah. Um, pretty handy. Um, you know, I really like the Corolla sedan. I like it better than the hatch, basically because I've got three kids, so we can chuck all five of us in this car and they all fit nicely and you can fit all your stuff in the back. Mm-hmm. It's got a massive boot, um, full-size alloy wheel spare that yeah, is that's handy that's gold that's gold in a um in a car like this you know because people that are buying um these type of cars the entry level stuff you need a full-size spare because yeah. people that aren't buying the entry model ones can probably afford to run around on a space saver for two days before the tire shop opens and then they can spend another 250 two days don't tire. you mean like three weeks well, you i don't swear know people that don't sure. rush I know, but are oh, you doing no. that because you assume that that person hasn't actually done it, or do you just look at it and go, "Look at that person who's had that wheel on that car for six months"? Yeah, that's. I that's do the what same it feels thing. Like anyway, I do yeah. the same assumption, but I mean, you know, the if if you I, do end up anybody listening putting on a space saver, on, it is 
a temporary thing, basically They're put horrible. it on, then drive it to the tire shop. That is the yep. intention of it. And, um, yeah, and, oh, and, and also, if you also hear the single if, use as well. So, yeah, oh, they're not they're not designed to last. But I did hear a uh, an urban legend of Furphy that insurance companies um, will not cover you if you put the space saver spare on the front wheel because it's the wrong size and it prevents you from being able to steer correctly. Physically, that's accurate. But I actually talked to three different insurance companies, and that's not true. But find out with your own insurance company if it's a legal yeah. wheel, which a space saver spare is, then you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. But I would not recommend it. If I got a flat on a front and I got a space saver, which I do in our new car, annoyingly, yeah, um, I would do the extra effort to try and swap the car, swap the wheels or over, even... so that the full size is on the front. Yeah, I, I've seen some uh, powerful variants of like say an x6m bmw running a space saver on the rear um and if you put your foot down if you slam not only are they difference in size and that's and that's also the key thing of why you shouldn't be driving around on on these things for very long at all is that there's a difference in size so they can actually potentially um not saying it will but you know basically from a physics point of view if you have two different size things and they're spinning trying to put power down it can go wrong um, but I, I don't even understand how they would work because the wheel speed for the smaller wheel would be greater than all the other three wheels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have a ratio. The, the car must work out the ratio and say, oh, that one must have a space saver spare on because it's running mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that, that much faster yeah. and I've got no steering wheel deflection yeah. or whatever. But don't, but don't. But I've seen them running around, and the and the tire is half the half the width even of the tire on the other side. Oh, if and, that, um, if that, yeah, it's just it's just a recipe. If you derive, it's it's merely just a, a means to an end of going from you know your breakdown point to the tire shop. Um, and it's you know in lieu of getting you know being forced to to have to get a tow truck really, um, but. Yeah. Yep. Oh well. Well, that's 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 been it. so. Top tip, uh, Mick. Don't uh, go away for like three, four weeks. Just tell work that you know you've got other priorities. You know, <laughs> family is one thing. The podcast is another. <laughs> um, and so we don't have to. <laughs> we don't have to work through your backlog. Yeah. Sorry if I bored um, anyone there. There's 25 minutes of pure driving pleasure. Um, <laughs> we'll put a note. Look, if you if you want to listen to what Mick's been driving, stick around. But otherwise, skip to the the 25 minute mark. Um, yeah. <laughs> but look, I'll, I'll just quickly say what I've been driving. Um, I did say earlier, I've been driving the XV Hybrid from Subaru. It is the um, probably the the vehicle that Subaru has kind of used to reinvigorate a bit of like bit of this SUV lineup um, outside of you know the forest of the outback and all those things. It's sort of aimed at a at a younger audience. Um, that's outside of the uh, the WRX and and Lavorg even um, at that same point, and um, it's been an interesting drive. I've really loved driving the the last few Subarus that I have been driving and experiencing because I haven't driven a Subaru for for quite a while now, and um, I've just enjoyed how nice they are on the road, how adequately powered they are. Um, they're not too extreme in the performance, but it doesn't feel like kind of like what you described, where you just feel like it's underpowered. It feels like it's just giving you enough for what you need um, to sort of go about your day and, um, you know, not not feel like you're going to, you know, get swallowed up by the car behind you or anything like that. Um, it is probably one of those vehicles, though, the, the hybrid 
does feel like it is very early days for Subaru the technology I have enjoyed it because when you do cruise down like even over the gateway bridge um, you're just in pure EV mode you're saving fuel it does do a nice thing in the start stop uh, when you come to the lights it does show you how much fuel you've saved so far and um, how long you've been able to you know you have the engine turned off whilst you're waiting around so i think that's a nice thing just to remind you that yes um having the the hybrid technology there is helping you save um some fuel in the long can you run feel it switching can you feel it switching between electric and well well so it, it's hard to keep it unlike the like the prius or you know any other hybrid from toyota now um where you can kind of take it up to about 60 if you're really soft on yep. the accelerator in pure ev you don't really get that ability in the subaru it is essentially anything more than like five percent of the accelerator it's straight into um using the engine and having so it is it it's it isn't so as far it's along using, it's using the ev energy more like a turbo rather than a it, it, exactly. individual powertrain yeah yep. yeah so look it's it, a boost but Again, I've really enjoyed driving it, and that's that's kind of like the the thing where you go, you forget about um, the any of the other downfalls. Like this, this is there's only one variant of the of the hybrid um, in the XV. It, you don't have a couple other trim options. It is just the one option. It is the second most expensive option by, and it falls short of the the top of the range model by I think about seven hundred dollars or something like that. Um, but you do miss it. It doesn't have the, a couple of weird things. Like it doesn't have daytime running lights, which I thought was quite, um, you know, usually it's quite standard across everything. Um, yeah. It, it, but it has all of your safety, active safety features. It does because of the eyesight safety systems that, that Subaru are excellent at including um, these days. So you do have active cruise control, the um, blind spot, lane departure, yeah, have, you got, uh, have you got dab radio? Because the dab was missing in the CHR cable. Which yeah, is quite odd. you do. You do. <laughs> it's, um, I only miss it when I don't have it. Yeah, and, and with it being all-wheel drive, you do just feel, and it is an active all-the-time all-wheel drive system. It isn't like uh, a few of the other vehicles the out there where they're all-wheel drive and it's you know 90% of the time in front-wheel drive mode and it's only if you come into a bit of trouble or a bit of slip, it, it mm. engages the rest of it. It is a full-time all-wheel drive system and that's basically what you know um, when talking to, to a few people even my parents they go and, and I say look it's a Subaru and they go and, and, and they immediately understand that it will have um, a set you know base level features which is the boxer engine and all drive that is kind of like ingrained you know for as long as i can even remember the tv ads of subaru it is yeah. the symmetrical all-wheel drive system no matter what and I, th- um, I, th- I thought it was i thought that was like the the subaru international they're all all-wheel drive all boxer but yeah. not, not the case um, no, a lot of markets where they have them just as front wheel drive, which is just it's it, it just seems weird to me. It's like having yeah. a a meat pie without the lid on it or something. It's, <laughs> That's right. It's weird. But they do, you know. It is it is one of those things where um, I, I think it just does a really good job. I, if I was buying one, I would probably look around at even maybe not the hybrid this time i would probably go the the l or the um or the premium for for similar kind of of money um or even saving a little bit right now um but maybe in the next generation i'd be more interested in the hybrid particularly if you are doing um you know i I would hope 
kind of like what we're seeing out of Jeep with the with the Wrangler and and how they're using the hybrid system, is that it's a way to to create a more powerful version that makes it even better when you're traversing off you know off the pavement. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and that's where I hope where Subaru really leverage this technology because that's where I see their advantages because that you know they make brilliant vehicles of of going off um, you know off the beaten track really and because yep. um, even I found a, a bit of a, a an off roady kind of uh, stoned and half gravel and half pavement kind of road near where I am and um, I took it along that and, and engaged the X mode so that um, that allows it basically has hill descent control immediately engage it just it just you know creates a system and, and puts it I'd almost say like in high alert mode to, to you know get ready for anything um, yep. that you might come across and so you can drive along and, and even on, on the slightest of declines because you can bring up on that third display because there's three different digital displays in there and um, it will show you exactly where the wheels are pointing where the brake lights are on where the power is going to as well as the level of decline or incline which the vehicle is on and um, that's all just very handy stuff particularly if um, you know you are down in Victoria and, and going to the snow or anything like that. You need to work out where you are. Um, yep. That they're just really handy things that I even think a couple of Duke, you know, other four wheel drive makers could um, could really learn a lesson from. Um, and this is a company, you know, Subaru do that really, really well. And and even at thirty nine thousand, I, I think there's a lot of value to be had. In a vehicle that's sub forty, even the Impreza and the Forester, and, and um, in the hybrid, they're really a lot of good value, and um, and I see a ton around, and I think uh, it's those people that have kind of come across that value proposition um, for what you're getting, and it it, might, it won't be the most fuel um, friendly. It won't. There's a couple of things where it won't be the best in. But I think a lot of the other benefits that you get out of these um, for those types of buyers, that's what yeah. really but appeals I don't to think them. Subaru have never really been like the fuel efficiency no. leader, though, have they? I no. mean, it's, this, this is showing that they're taking steps, but essentially the the proposition for Subarus has been the same thing over the years, like we've talked yeah. about with that boxer yeah. and all-wheel drive stuff. They and, still and look, offer they that, and this is just an incremental improvement yeah. in what they've always offered. So Yeah, and, and also the thing is they aren't the biggest manufacturer they aren't you know they don't have they're not like Hyundai where they basically own the entire supply chain um, which they they belong in and, and investing you know 14 billion in, in alternative drivetrains and things like that but yeah. you know for what they're producing I think is um, even if you are sort of looking for an SUV um, even you know against the CHR or anything like that if you're in that 40 even 30 to 40 thousand dollar bracket for an SUV these are very much worthwhile looking at because even for just room you get a ton of space um, you do lose any sort of space saver or spare with the hybrid because you've got to have space for the battery um, but you do get a tire inflating kit and things like that so you're not completely stuck um but in terms of the rear passenger space you have so much room it is not funny um the only thing that bugs me is they've got one of those um center lap stash seat belts that comes down from the roof yeah but it is handy when if you don't want it there you just fold it away tuck it away and you don't see it um and yeah yeah yep 
like for somebody like you, if you've got three kids, you're going to be using it all the time. So that I could see how, you know, that might not be ideal. Um, yep. If you're not using it all the time, it is very easy to just clip it up and hang it off to the side. It's better than some other vehicles that use it where even if you do disconnect it and put it off to the side, it, it still gets still caught by the, um, by, the, by the boot cover and things like that. Uh, so yeah, right, yeah. They've, they've done a good job where it is just tucks into that C, you know, not C, but even like the D pillar, that bit there. Um, yep. So it doesn't get in the way of anything or it doesn't rattle around when you're going over bumps and things like that. So I think that's really clever. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really happy with it. Uh, but it goes back on Monday. I do jump into that Triton GSR and also the, the Mitsubishi Express van next, uh, both at once. So that will be um, sort Mitsubishi of a, a commercial Express vehicle. Van. That's it. So... <laughs> It's technically, well, I'll probably upset the, the, the guys at Mitsubishi, but it's essentially the Renault um, traffic, but just yeah. in a slightly lower spec, a more aggressive price point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but it's I'm basically doing a Mitsubishi commercial vehicle venture um, next week. So that should be um, some good fun. Cool. But look, uh, Joel, if you're still awake... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> but uh, look, we, we can't wait to get you driving again um, once those lockdowns uh, sort of settle down again. But um, so we just had some pretty exciting news, Joel, with uh, the F three, the Formula Three Championship um, over in Mugello. Yeah, really exciting news has just come through. The young Aussie um, Oscar uh, has taken out the F3 championship. This is a unique championship this year. So F3, obviously, um, is the two feeders below uh, Formula 1. There's obviously Formula 2 in between. But Formula 3 um, has been run this year with four Aussies in it. Um, and it was a brilliant season um, with um, Alex Peroni, Jack Doohan, the son of um, Mick Doohan, uh, Callum Williams and then obviously Oscar Bastari. I'm going to butcher that name. I'm sorry, Oscar. Um, but, yeah, it's it's amazing to see what he's achieved at 19 years old. He's won the form, the FIA World F3 Championship. Um, mm. Just brilliant for this young kid. Uh, I was lucky to do a little bit of work with him at the start of the year um, at the Grand Prix before it was uh, cancelled earlier in the week. But he's a really nice young kid. He's got a really good head on him. He speaks really well. So I think we've got our future, our next future. Well, you know, he's already won the championship, but there's three other guys as well that ran with him. Um, during the year in the championship it was a really good championship uh, lots of close racing there was quite a few people that were in potential to take out the championship this year and it was mm-hmm. great to see mm-hmm. that Oscar has um, basically risen to the to the top and, and taken it out so um, I'm excited to see what he does I mean he is he does have a um, uh, an agreement with Renault so look who knows what will happen with him down the down the track I, I'm intrigued to see what happens now whether someone gives him a drive in F2 next year or whether he does another year in F3 because um, it's normally the, the pathway isn't it F3 F2 and then depending on you know uh, your prospects your results and things yeah. like that you know the possibility of going to, to Formula 1 not too many people tend to be able to make that that complete jump from F3 to um, Formula 1 uh, Probably one for me that no. comes to mind is Kimi Raikkonen. He basically leapfrogged 
um, the traditional uh, pathways. But it, it's so great to have four Aussies competing in in Formula Three at that you know at that in that championship. I think and that's, in that um, level, in, you know, to have one win is is even better. And considering how far away we are from you know from Europe and and obviously yeah, the current absolutely. climate situation as well, yeah. it's it's pretty amazing that Oscar's done so well. But there is a big step up to F two. The F two cars are you know, obviously quicker than the F three, but there is still a big difference between F one and F two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great video floating around on the internet of a comparison of all three cars on the same track, um, and the the oh, speed difference. Cool. The speed difference is is really amazing to watch between all three of them. Um, mm-hmm. But I see the F2s have gone to the 18-inch wheels now. Yeah, they look really weird. But looking at yeah. some old footage that uh, a mate shared a couple of weeks back, uh, my mate Craig was is a bit of an F1 fan, and he um, he was sending some footage out um, to me and another mate to have a look at, and it was some old classic stuff. And back then, even then, the wheels on the older F1 cars were in proportion similar to the way the F2s look now so mm. you know, it's one of those things that they have kind of done before uh, I, I, do, I do wish the Formula 1 cars did spit flames like the F2 cars <laughs> that that is just um, I remember watching uh, I think it was like a highlights just before one of the uh, earlier F1 races and I'm going oh man why why don't F1 cars do that that is such from a from a spectator point of view that it's kind of like what the the supercars um particularly the the mid 2000s and, and even late 90s where that spit fire at the side exhaust and um you know it's just a spectacular visual for um for spectators and, and people watching the sport and um you know maybe it makes up for the bit of a sound uh difference that we get through speakers yeah look the difference um, between between f2 and f3 and the, both of them sound amazing the f3 cars this year are great. I watched a little bit of racing uh, during the year in the lead up to a couple of the F1 races um, and yeah, they they sound absolutely amazing and yeah. having having a quick play on F1 2020 the, the, you can drive an F2 car on there and again, they just sound absolutely brilliant. So yeah, yeah they're, um, they're quite interesting but it's great to see um, Oscar do so well and, and I'm really intrigued to see where he goes next year and what he does um, so yeah, we, we could have a future another future F1 um, um, driver in in mm. the in the lead up to to what could be you know possibly uh, a future F1 champion. Yeah, very very exciting. Well, let's um let's jump on Formula One very quickly. So we're at Mugello this week, and um it's uh, the thousandth uh, GP start for Ferrari. But um, <laughs> some of the news by uh, by their Formula One, one of their drivers, Sebastian Vettel, has sort of been overshadowed a little bit by, um, firstly, what, tri- what triggered sort of the, the snowball of the news is um, Sergio Perez uh, announced that he was leaving Racing Point at the end of this year. And um, within, I think it was about a day, of that happening, the you know everybody it was within twenty four hours. Yeah, so it was like, okay, well, what, what's next? What what's going to be happening? And um, of course, as probably most of us expected, we you know we discussed it on the show is that uh, it was then announced that Sebastian Vettel will be joining Racing Point, signing a contract uh, from twenty twenty one, so next year's season. And um, they didn't say how long the contract was for, but they say 
and um, and onward. So I expect it to be a fairly long, um, a fairly long contract, I guess, a few years. It has to, to be multi, but there'd be yeah. all kinds of clauses, Options and, performance clauses, yeah. and whatever else yeah. in there as well. So. so I did I did see some details around the contract, um, and none of it's been I think properly confirmed yet. But um, it seems to be that uh, the way that Perez found out was quite <laughs> was quite interesting. So um, the the discussion, and I'll and I, I'll have to try and find the story to include in the show notes because I, I forgot to. to sent it through but um so it started off with uh sergio finding out um via another racing point team member because apparently uh lawrence stroll in his office when they were talking to lawyers to firm up the details was um heard through the walls talking about the details of the contract and what it should include um and they then informed uh sergio of sort of what was probably going to happen so for sergio it wasn't really too much of a, a big surprise um he he had to knew it was coming. And I think. When I think the, when the probably, rumors were happening and whatever yeah. else, and they were talking yeah. and been jokes in the paddock. The commentators have been talking about it for a while. That you know, that um, Vettel's been seen hanging out with the guys from Racing Point and whatever else. Yeah. But look, you know, it's happened. Vettel's moving, but I think Perez has got an even more exciting potential. McLaren have reached out and want to give him a run at Indy uh, in IndyCar yeah, next well, year. I okay, think that's probably cool. the best place for him. Because clever by Zach news. Brown. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great news. And I think mm. if he goes there, I mean, that championship is going strength to strength at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing. It's on again this weekend. Um, they've had well, a, a, it, it, all kinds of a weird schedule. But yeah. the, the brilliance of it, the Indy 500 was awesome. Um, and that championship has done so much. It sounds 10 times better than F1 mm. um, in terms of you when you listen well, to the cars. And also having um, Alonso and uh, the, the heightened... Uh, profile amongst non-indie fans and also those outside of America getting um, exposed to it again. We we had that exposure because we had the Indy 500 here on the Gold Coast, and um, we obviously had um, you know Aussies involved in that 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 racing series. But recently, it's great to have the Formula One tag onto it a little bit and having that profile stretch across. And obviously, with Sergio, he's got a huge following. He's got a huge financial backing as well, and um, yeah. and that's going to be a, a you know a great thing for for that sport. And obviously, for us who who love to see him racing, because he did say that you know he didn't have a plan B, and um, and it was sort of shown that Vettel's. Um, contract wasn't about money. It wasn't about thing because reportedly his contract is only about a million or one point five million every year, with a with a separate contract as a as an Aston Martin ambassador at about five million uh, per year for a number of years. So, oh, the poor thing. I hope he's yeah, okay. but it's you know it's certainly different to the thirty or so million a year that he was getting yeah, from right. Ferrari. Um, yep. And I, but it does kind of prove the point that you know Vettel loves racing. He is there for racing, and it isn't always about um, about the money. Uh, even though it isn't certainly going down to a hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that, but it is certainly in closer to being in line with what some of the other um, other that's very you know, midfield. Yeah, midfield drivers are, are receiving. Yep. So yeah, I think it's. It's going to be exciting. Um, Racing Point will be Aston Martin next year, and obviously with the new regulations, that's um, it's a uh, yeah. It's I think the shuffles next year, the renaming of teams, the return of Alonso, um, for for better or worse, because I know there's certainly people on each side of the fence for for Alonso returning. Um, but I think we should have a relatively exciting. Um, 
super exciting. Memory, where's Alonso going? Uh, so he's Renault. going to, to Alpine. They're, oh, they're Alpine renaming now, sorry, from yes. uh, from Renault and returning to the Alpine name. Um, uh, with yeah. The, yeah, I did vaguely read that in my Hazel work last last month. In that um, in that in that last week's episode you were listening to, of course. <laughs> I have been able to listen to I've never scratched anything this week in the last no. month. Um I I watched a bit of indie for the first time in quite a while. Um mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, because I was up at like two in the morning or something. Um, but man, they they are so loose and fast. Those oh yeah. Things. Most of the crashes that happened in in the 500 this year were guys losing the rear end in yep. certain corners and just and smacking the wall either in a big way oh, boy, or just that pit entry is dangerous too. Yeah. They just they just look so they they look dangerous. They look scary. It's because it of the aero. It's the aero and yeah. downforce they yeah. run on. A different teams yeah. run yeah. different aero and different downforce mm. uh, on them, and as a result, they they can be very and that was the thing going into the 500 this year that certain teams were going to run heavier downforce so that they were going to sit better at the rear end and, and be more solid, but others were going to change their aero packages to allow mm. them to to have a better run and be faster. But as a result, the car is looser, and yeah. that's why we we're seeing so many of these accidents like, happen. I feel like it's got yep. the um, the craziness of NASCAR in terms of the, the fast and loose <laughs> nature of it, but in an open-wheel format yep. that, you know... Is um you know is meant to be a bit more uh, a bit more well, refined, a little bit more focused. But it um, is it is funny that you say that because when you look at it, like you look at the um you know like the paint jobs and the markings yeah, and yeah, the advertising yeah. and stuff are all yeah. very much like NASCAR. Yep. So it looks like somebody from NASCAR has built a Formula One car. Yeah. 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 Oh, well. Um, what else is going So we've got Jimmy Johnson. Uh, yeah, so the seven-time NASCAR champion is heading to IndyCar. So he finishes mm. up his full-time racing in NASCAR at the end of the season and has agreed to sign a deal to run with Chip Ganassi Racing in the NTT IndyCar Series from next year. Next year. Um, so currently looking at a, at a two-year program, so two-year contract, uh, where he'll be running on both street and road courses, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is good to see. Um, and then, yeah, there's two talk of probably looking that he'll probably go for the for the 500 in 2022 uh, but that's exciting to see Jimmy you know a lot of the guys have hung out their hat and headed into the um, to the commentary box but uh, Johnson mm. has decided that he wants to keep going so that's yeah. really really exciting and it's just going to another shine. big name going to Indy it's going to shine more light on, on IndyCar as well yeah. and, and seeing that, yeah. you know, not that they need any more publicity, but this is, you know, it's great for the sport. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's, exci- it's exciting stuff for, for, the, for that champion and mm. also to see, you know, whether Jimmy can do that NASCAR, IndyCar swap across, you know. The, yeah. There's not yeah. a lot that have been able to do uh, that a lot. Um, but, yeah, it, it'll be great to see him because he's such a great guy and he, he's done so well in the, in that NASCAR series. It's such a such a s- iconic uh, name in NASCAR. Like, I, I don't follow NASCAR uh, closely at all, but um, but Jimmy Johnson is just one of those names that you immediately associate to, to NASCAR. And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a big move. Um, but another, another big move and a bit of an odd one, a, a little bit unexpected, um, but not surprised. Oh, extremely. <laughs> um, is a, and I had a friend of mine immediately first thought it was Formula E team, but then was like, ah, oh, hang on, no, Extreme E. But it's uh, Lewis Hamilton creating his own Extreme E team. Yeah, so he's come out and he's calling it um, X44. Um, yeah. So it's part of this Extreme E series, which was actually created by the um, the founder and CEO of form of. of um, 
Extreme E is actually uh, Alessandro Agra, who is actually the creator of Formula E, the the open ah, wheel racing series. Right, so okay. um, the way that this series is designed, though, it's quite interesting. It, it's it's taking Formula E was designed to show that you can have you know fully electric open wheeler racing on effectively uh, street circuits and and course mm. circuits, but this is a different way. So the series is designed to help bring awareness to electrification as well as climate issues to different regions of the world and as a result of this the the racing will only be held in countries where they want to bring um, the the issue of climate or climate issues to the forefront mm. of people's minds mm. so it's racing in Senegal in January Saudi Arabia in March Nepal in May Greenland in August and Brazil in October uh, yeah. and the goal is to race at Arctic desert rainforest glacier and coastal destinations and use the different platforms to highlight global warming and other environmental environmental issues uh so you know hamilton we know is a, is a big fan of um looking after the environment and he has these passion projects so he's announced he's going to have this team which we called x44 which pays homage to his racing number um but he has said that he probably won't have a lot of involvement in it. Um, he won't be racing uh, in it at this stage um and it's basically designed um to He's basically happy to have him, you know, to help promote it, but he's not going to be strongly involved. Mm. But there's lots of great teams involved in it. The this the, the cars themselves are pretty impressive to watch. Having seen yeah. the, the car that was run in the in the Fink a couple of years ago, the one that had run in Dakar, um, they're an impressive thing to watch. It's very weird to watch it racing because it, there's not a lot of obviously noise from it, um, so you really have to sort of see where where it is when you're watching it. But uh, they are still impressive, and the, the talkability and stuff like that um, is pretty impressive. But the other teams that are involved um, include Chip Ganassi Racing, who we just talked about from IndyCar, Andretti United, which is obviously again another indie capital so in relation to the supercars team mm, here mm. abt and hwa which are again involved in uh, formula e Tachita, which is from Indonesia, QEV Technologies from Spain, and British team Volos Racing, which is again another Formula E team. So yeah, it's 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 exciting to watch. I hope it comes up. It's a shame that um that they're not coming to you know to somewhere like Australia, but hopefully the TV package is good, uh, and we'll be able to watch the series next year. Yeah, I'd love to follow it because it it certainly looks interesting. Um, you know, and uh, with uh, Lewis Hamilton sort of bringing such a large audience even just from you know uh from his social media presence alone talking about this series i had i personally hadn't heard of the series before at all so um it's a it's a great way to to get focus on it and um hopefully i get some good sponsors on board as well to to keep it going um but what's been going on uh, in supercars world this week so we had a major announcement this week um it flows yeah. on from the announcement that um from the, the first 1000 will be renamed to the repco bathurst 1000 from mm. next year um with super cheap pulling out and as predicted by a couple of outlets um there's a new name for the supercars championship in 2021 it'll be known as the um repco uh, supercars championship and it's not a short deal it's 2021 through to 2025 so um repco uh are obviously one of you know one of the big brands in terms mm. of um outlets around the country um and have considerable investment from um overseas 
owners uh, and have done pretty well for themselves uh, in the recent recent light and want to be involved more in motorsport. They obviously mm. understand that brands that are involved obviously get a good return on their investment and as a result, they've decided to not just go for the 1,000 but go for the championship name as well. So yeah. it's good for the sport. It, it shows obviously a lot of um, yeah, confidence in what's happening moving forward, obviously with Gen 3 uh, in the future and obviously the conversations that have been uh, had obviously with people so yeah I mean Repco have said there we're so excited to be announcing this partnership we're rich issue with the sport and together with the Repco Bathop 1000 this is our most exhilarating step yet uh, they mm. can't wait to work closer with the with the championship and the teams um, so yeah it's, it's it's great to see this um, and yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do you know if you're currently a, you know their, their stores are, have got a great range of products and, and are strong in lots of different locations so it'll be very interesting to see what they've done. I know Super Cheap have worked a lot with what they've done um, in terms of uh, their promotion of the sport and, and giveaways and things like that. So I'm intrigued to see what um, what Repco do as a result. Mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting what they... Um, so obviously, like you say, Super Cheap have been very loud. Uh, obviously, uh, major supercars um, sponsor for a, for a team as well. But it'll be interesting to see how much Repco can even fight against that presence. They're going to have to be right up there. I mean, I guess we're just kind of used to calling it um, uh, the Virgin Virgin Australia Supercars for so long. Calling it the Repco, is it going to be the Repco Australian Supercars? Or have they, have they mentioned anything about the... The title for the championship? Repco Supercars. Repco Supercars. I wonder if anyone's checked that hashtag because VASC is actually used by a lot of um, um, surgeons, heart surgeons, VASC. So (laughs) (laughs) I've had a few issues with that. I'm sure they've looked into it. Yeah, and um, Erebus are moving as well to... So, yeah, obviously after we finished in Townsville the other week, a lot of the teams Mm. had to obviously then scatter those that have made that shift out of Victoria and New South Wales. So uh, most of the teams returned back to their Gold Coast um, homes that they temporarily had prior to the lead-up to heading to Townsville and Darwin. Uh, so, yeah, so Erebus have decided they've got um, a relationship with a couple of brands based out of Mount Gambia in South Australia um, because the next round's at Bend next weekend. They've decided to to go there, and so they base themselves in um, Mount Gambia uh, where they will base, then head to the Bend next week, and then from the Bend they'll head back to Mount Gambia to prep before they head to Bathurst. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see where you know a lot of the teams go whether they stay after the bend next week whether they stay in the bend for a while or they find somewhere in Sydney to base themselves before they head head to Bathurst in the middle of next month yeah it's it's just um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of logistics managers um, and operations guys from each of these teams just hanging out for the Christmas break where they can just relax and, and take a breather because every week it's just amazing the the amount of shuffling and managing of all of this um, has been incredibly stressful and it's just again just like with Formula One how they've been able to pull it off um, at least on the surface level it looks still just as professional just as organised um, 
you know, uh, when we're watching these races and seeing these teams perform. But I'm sure there's a lot of very tired and very uh, worn out people behind the scenes. Um, yeah, but... a lot of a uh, lot of decisions they've had to make haven't had a lot of advance warning either, and they've had to change a lot. Um, yeah, it would have been massively challenging. But again, that's like you say, the credit to them is the fact that you don't see that additional effort going on in the background and everything just seems to work the way that it's supposed to. So someone's doing a well, a lot of people no doubt are doing a lot of hard work there. Yeah. In the background. And also the, the amount of cost that involves as well. Um so yeah, it's uh, yep. massive, and it, and it's and like we were saying before, it's been an amazing um, sort of bunch of uh, races and series to to watch. Um, but look, there's a couple of other things to to watch out for. So if you're into your iRacing, um, the Chevrolet C8R is now available. Um, that's a, I'm sure a few people are happy about that, Joel. Yeah, exactly. There's a, I had a bit of a uh, heads up on this. I had a friend that uh, um, was talking about the other day that this possibly was coming, so I was keeping an eye out for this release. But, yeah, yeah it's pretty exciting to see that um, Corvette have gone all in um, and not only done um, to, 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 to bring – I mean, the, the, the Corvette has been available, I'm pretty sure, in iRacing for a while, but to have the latest version in there, mm. Um, mm. it's great for teams that, you know, for this endurance racing at the moment, you know, not everyone can get into testing and stuff like that. That, so yeah. to spend some time on it and do some track racing and stuff like that um, you know, is pretty good. So yeah, it, it's good to see it in there. And for those that are um, that want to, you know, want to be able to um, purchase it, they can and, and start racing with it yeah. uh, in the iRacing series. So that should yeah. be uh, interesting. Interesting watch for those that are fans of it to to see what their thoughts are of driving it. Yeah, and it's um it seems to have been a, a popular thing to see so the the c8r which is what's been added um is is continuing that imza weathertech sports car championship um so and they're in uh the mid ohio sports car course so yeah i i mean seeing any version of uh the new corvette racing in particular is just um such such an exciting thing and um it's always great fun when you get the opportunity to actually uh to to drive it even even virtually is the um do you know if the uh c8 r is going to le mans this year no, I don't think it is from memory. I think that, yeah, um, I thought they cancelled it the earlier in the yeah, year. Yeah, there's quite a few of the normal, um, normal teams that you would see running that um, uh, that they they're not going to get uh, as many as what they would normally get. So yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, and the fact is that it's going to be run behind closed doors as well. So you know, there's no um, uh, there's no fans, which is going to be a real sad sad thing as well. So. Yeah. It's not the same yeah. without the zombies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So we, uh, we're ready to, to, to jump into this week's local news. Um, we've, got a, we've got a few things to, to cover. The first um, first big one, which um, for anybody in love with uh, with hybrids and hasn't been necessarily happy with the Mercedes lineup, you, well, you've got one extra one now. You've got the Mercedes A-Class plug-in hybrid. Um, so we've kind of been lacking um, in plug-in hybrids from a from a few brands, and and now it seems that they've all all exploded. But the best thing of all is that 
we do have an entry-level um, luxury vehicle now, which does have um, that plug-in hybrid. So the A250e is um, what has been introduced, and uh, it does have a range of up to 70 kilometers in all-electric mode, um, and uh, it's the first time that uh, that rapid DC charging is also available. Um, in a in a plug-in hybrid from Mercedes, so it's um obviously it's a good step good step forward for um for the brand and, and it's even nicer that we actually have it available in Australia. So Type Two plug is that a is that a chatter mode plug? I think so. Yes. Yeah, it's confusing. All of the standards are confusing, um, but that should be similar to I think the Kona. Is that? Yeah, I think it's all the normal. Yeah, I, I have to anytime I have an electric vehicle that that like or any sort of plug-in hybrid or electric, I do have to look up um, on the. I use the plug share app, and I use their little cheat guide to just remind myself because particularly if I go to like say the the Brisbane City Council car park they they just call it by the name and i'm like uh yeah this one that looks like that shape that one that goes that, that's on that's right yeah. <laughs> the one that fits <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> yeah yeah i think they're the three phase one without the two um large dc yeah plugs that go on the bottom yeah okay yeah. so you do um with that you do get the option of using a um a faster charger at home so yep. it will cost about $1,250 if you want the Mercedes Warbox which actually is pretty um, pretty reasonable in cost it's not as expensive as some of the other ones um, and you can get an electrician if you do have three phase so if you've got like a big pool heater or something like that that uses three phase um, you can actually get up to 22 kilowatts um, through that fast charger which is actually a pretty decent charge um, or if, if if you don't have three phase, you can get up to 7.4 kilowatts, which is... Um, that's, still, that's still triple the uh, regular. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll get um, 2.2 or something for the... Yeah, for the yes. Normal. Yeah. So, so worth it, for sure. So particularly um, if you are in and out of the home or, you know, you, the car, you know, it is in and out and you do want to use maximize that electric usage. For 250 bucks, it's basically just factor it in as part of your negotiation when you're buying the vehicle. That's what I would suggest. Um, yep. Get them to throw in the wall box and you're done. Um, but I mean, the best, the best thing about these, aside from, you know, you're saving the universe, but the new A-Class, I'm a big fan. They, they're a very nice-looking compact car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this actually, I haven't seen. What's what's what gives? Why don't they have ugly looking EV wheels on it? These actually look nice. <laughs> they didn't get the memo. That's why <laughs> it's um, supposed to look like half folded plastic aeroplanes. Yeah, and in terms of and in terms of pricing, it's very. I think it's very reasonable. Um, the hatch and the sedan, um, it is available in, and it's sixty three four hundred or sixty six thousand. That is the the. That's not driveway pricing, so factor in dealer delivery and local um, like stamp duties and that kind of thing. But compared to the regular model, that is pretty reasonable. Um, so it is uh, it isn't bad, and, and it is worth noting if you do live in Brisbane, that does mean you get half price parking in any council car park so uh-huh. uh, or most council car parks i think um particularly ones that have uh charging facilities so if you do drive the city um that becomes very very handy because it takes your 
daily price from $35 to $17.50 for a full day. So that's, or $2.50 on weekends. So that is, that can end up saving wow. a bit of money over time. You, but, you need to come up to the Sunshine Coast, mate. It doesn't cost you anything to park in. <laughs> the castle parks yeah. up here. That's because you need a reason to get up there. A day. Right? That's awful. Yeah. Um, but no, so I'm very happy. I'm very happy that we're getting uh, that model here. Um, too many, too often, particularly with Audi, uh, any of the uh, plug-in models don't come here. And um, so it's great to have that option. And it's a fairly reasonable price as well. Um, but let's jump on. So the new Kia Sorento has uh, has arrived. Um, what do we What do we feel about this one? It's a sexy looking car. Yeah, it really, is a it's car, a, isn't it? They've done an amazing job with the design on this. The, the step up from the previous one. Look, the previous one was a really was a, was really nice design, but this new corporate look with the the new Kia um, grill and the lights and everything. But the rear end, the rear end, sensational. Just the the chrome and and just the shapes and the the tail lights. Um, the way that where you know the the rear joins comes down to the back of the hatch part of it. Um, yeah, they're on a winner here. I mean, yep. they already were Again. with the previous one. But, yeah, look, you know, this thing's going to... Uh, as hard as it is at the moment in terms of, you know, sales and everything else. But hopefully yeah. this this will do quite well. Um, yeah. I've actually had a sneaky look at one of these already, uh, the GT line. Yeah, I think it's got two five fives or something crazy. Yeah, right. Tire-wise. Fairly wide tyres for a... Yeah, but a lot lot of detail too like in the like the taillight design the inside it there's a lot of smaller details inside which are you know the sorts of things which um yeah distinguished like i used to think that french cars had a lot of great design with little details and little Mm. bits and pieces which sort of kept them apart from the rest of the market one little thing that you notice is that it's two peaks it's not one it's not one piece so you know for a replacement and whatever else that if you break one of them then at least it's not a massive piece so in terms of for a parts point um yeah it's also well played too yeah it also does feel a bit american as well the 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 exterior design um particularly that rear um it feels uh it's it's got a little bit more of an american influence yeah yeah for sure what were you saying joel does it look taller than the previous gen the one that you saw uh, yes, it does look a lot yeah. more solid. It, it looks a lot squarer. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I'm dying to get inside one. I've, it, it, it'll be soon. Um, but I just... The only problem I had with the last one was it was nice and roomy, but it wasn't, you know, I wanted to be greedy and sort of stretch out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I found out with the three-row, a lot of three-row SUVs, I kind of have to compromise a bit with knee space and the... Sorrento was good, but still could have done a little bit better. Just from my peek through the window, I think this has got a little bit more space in that regard as well and a bit more of a, um upright cabin space. So it makes it a little bit more room, uh, sorry, a bit a better use of the space that it has. It doesn't feel like it's kind of um, enveloping around you. It feels like a bit more of a boxy um, mm. room. That but new, again, I was standing outside, so I can't really that say. That new center stack screen looks huge. Yeah, uh, and the whole the design of that screen really here looks really good. Yeah, I'm yep. very keen to get behind the wheel and see what it's like in um, mm-hmm. in a practical sense. And yeah, the dash cluster looks like it's had a redesign as well. Yeah, I don't want to talk it up too much yet because I haven't actually touched it, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I've got a few weeks to wait for that one. Did the one so, that you had previously have um, the terrain control modes as well as, or is that a, that's a new feature, isn't it? 
Oh, I don't know. They must. I think that's a new feature. I don't. Yeah, know. snow, mud, and sand. Um, and then if they ever had them before, I've never, I've never had any cause to use. Comfort, it, so. eco, sport, and smart. I don't think. I think that's a new addition as well. So that looks, uh, that looks very interesting to try as well. Mm. And in terms of pricing, so it's fairly, it, it does have a bit of variance. So the two-wheel drive petrol automatic um, starts at 46990 drive away, um, but goes all the way up if you go to the four-wheel drive GT line diesel with dual-clutch transmission, um, which is the top of the line, is 64990 But good thing is the only option um, they've listed at least is uh, 695 for premium paint. Interesting that the petrol's only available in the two-wheel drives yeah so it's um it's, also it's interesting an interesting that all the diesels have gone to dct yeah. mm. uh, whereas the petrols have not no they're all still running the traditional auto but mm-hmm. it's good that they, you can still get the gt line in a two-wheel drive with the um the petrol three and a half liter mm. yeah it is a yeah, interesting because it's um there's a few things in the like I I quite like the Santa Fe, but there was a few mm. things missing in that. Um, I drove the Highlander 3.5 V6 a few weeks ago, and it just there's a few little bits they didn't have. I'm hoping the Kia yes. yeah. has got those got those gaps filled. Mm. Yeah, it's a V6 there is a bit too. of a premium as well in terms of those going between the two-wheel drive and the four-wheel drive and the petrol diesel. So 61,990 up to 64,990. So, um, but I assume most people are going for the diesel. Is Do, do you think that's the... It's hard to say. Point. I think some yeah. some people won't. They'll probably still want to go the the the, the V six and a petrol. Yeah. You know, depending. Well, they're on. offering. They're still offering the full lineup as well. So they haven't. Like even you know what we've seen with a couple of models where they only offer um, one particular variant with the the petrol options or drivetrain options. So. Yeah, like I've seen mostly the. Um, I don't think I saw a lot of the GT lines. No. Um, with the 3.5 in the previous versions, I saw a lot of uh, the 3.5 V6 in the S two-wheel drive. So the mm-hmm. the rentals. They actually, yeah. it actually converted me from not really liking the Sorento to really liking the Sorento when mm-hmm. I got a when I got a V6 rental. It was just I don't know. It, it kind of clicked <laughs> with me. Yeah, there's something about yeah. that V6 really. Yeah, yeah, it was re- it was really good. But I mean, I, I think the the indication of that V6 coming back in the uh, in the Santa Fe, it only it only came back in the last couple of months or last six mm. months or so. Uh, I think he have seen something there in the market where people are starting to go back away from the from the diesels and back to the V6 for whatever reason who knows I don't, and I don't both know tran- both transmissions are eight eight speed and we're on a winner here for me you've won my heart to you when you say that you have a spare full-size alloy that was so, the other thing i was going to say because i yep. looked underneath it and saw a full-size spare i'm like yes when you're on a winner there like you've yeah like for yeah. me today i think you've got to have something that's got anything you're going to you, you're talking about having a car that has the ability to go off road particularly when we've just seen what what that system looks like it's going to have inside you need to have a full-size spare so um yeah i can't wait to to talk to our care friends and get hold of one of these when we're allowed to to drive again here in vic but i think the mm. the backlog might be <laughs> quite long but yeah i think this will be uh, exciting and be good to watch the um the sales charts over the next couple of weeks. Yep. And again, yeah. seven-year unlimited kilometre warranty. Cap price servicing, roadside yep. assist as well. So it's a pretty killer uh, combo on top of what they're offering. So, yeah, it's a pretty pretty exciting. I, I will have to um, get that one scheduled 
in to drive. But um, but look, MG going uh, a little bit more sporty with a compact model. Um, I'm quite lucky. It looks a little bit Mercedes, like a little bit Ford Puma as well with their Aviator. Um, looks good. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a change on their um, styling. It's a the the ZS sort of was one of the first ones to change that um, update from the previous gen of like the um, HS uh, style and, and the GS. And this thing looks really really good. It's got a really nice resigned front end. Um, and yeah, so this will be interesting. So this is. Um, it's due to be launched next next month. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no confirmation whether it'll come here. Um, is, Surely it will have to. It's, oh, you would uh, think it, so. It would make absolute sense. And even yeah. they're talking about a, a plug-in hybrid electric model at a, at a later date as well. So um, that would be the one that I would I would reckon would be like it's got a 1.5 litre turbo or 2 litre turbo petrol option um, but I reckon a 1.5 litre turbo with a plug-in hybrid that would be a killer Mm. in in urban settings yeah for the smaller around town people that Absolutely. don't need the, long, the longer distance personally yeah. that 2 litre turbo is a great engine and it's really quite fun to drive mm. Um, mm. but it was another story I, I saw or heard recently that there's talk that they're trying to build a um, a bigger version as well so there's talking that they may be building a, a kind of Land Cruiser um, version wow. as well so um, I'm intrigued to watch that so I think watch this space with MG there are- kudos to MG they've been I haven't had a chance to schedule one yet but I'm I, at first I didn't like it I was a bit on the fence but I'm really growing to like what they're offering yeah, and um, obviously the you... feedback from from what you've been you guys have been saying from your experience with them it's warming me up to to you know forgetting you know and, and some people still get hung up on the on the MG badge and and what MG has sort of been in the past and um, they are talking about bringing a sports car to sort of honor that but um but I'm really impressed with a their model lineups and the quality of what they're offering but just at the pace of which they've been able to to to, to do that and um and improve this is the first time I've actually seen that SUV when you guys put that link it does look really good it does yeah it it's, looks uh... like a modern premium vehicle um, yeah. that you could forgive and if it had a Ford badge or a Mercedes badge you w- you wouldn't blink it you wouldn't blink twice at what you're yeah, looking you at it was yeah no having said that I do like the Puma I think the Puma looks pretty sharp yeah yeah it does um, but yeah but, like I think what you were saying too about um, this is one they should really be focusing on I think that that compact SUV bit is going to be getting um, bigger faster soon because people are going to be starting to move away from i don't think necessarily the um the seven the three row suvs are going to maintain their sort of level of popular uh, popularity and even a lot of the medium stuff i think is going to start losing some popularity in the next couple of months or even the next year or so mm. as people start looking at ways to kind of save save their pennies and if they yeah. can see things like this and they can actually get an suv that um even if it is a compact one, if they can fit inside it, that's what that's what really matters. If they can save a few bucks, then they're going to be looking in in this kind of space. So MG do well to to position themselves in that space and get ready for a um, I wouldn't say a party because it's people. Um, 
not necessarily going backwards, but everybody's downsizing. You know what I mean? It's not a not a celebration. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they should be they should be there and be ready to to receive people who are looking for ways to save a dollar. Particularly when if you if you look at the you know the Yaris has um, gone the opposite way and has drastically impro- increased in price, regardless of you know how we feel. If if you have something like this coming out, all of a sudden I think. Um, it, it will be hard to ignore, um, particularly if we get more competitive models. You know, we've got the Puma. Yeah. Um, you know, will the time be not only with the the increased pressure of emissions from Europe um, and California, sort of making it hard for smaller cars like that to exist? Um, yeah. This is this is going to be. A, you know, th- could this be sort of like the next battle battleground for you know what used to be that nineteen nine ninety drive away? price point um in in the small car first car sort of segment and um what's even cool is is having that hybrid sort of you know they're announcing alongside it's not coming at the same time but they're going hey look you know we're thinking forward and um wanting to to have a competitor here we're going to have a bunch of options in this space exactly a a comprehensive answer rather than just uh i'm also in this in this hole Mm. i think i saw uh car advice i think had an article this week um talking about kia and suzuki have committed to having sub twenty thousand dollar cars still which was i thought was an interesting headline because obviously the as you were saying you know like toyota's moving away from it the yaris is becoming more expensive hyundai's uh, gone away from the yeah um from the accent to the um to the venue um, so that space at sub 25 um, is really starting to open up again. So uh, yeah, that's the thing. The door is wide open for for some of these smaller competitors to yep. to swipe in and have a go. And you know, the, the, unlike before, when we didn't have as much of a, a focus or expectation of safety, you know, you, you you'd look at some of these ones feeling in that yeah, and you go ah. Um, yeah, you can see where they've cut corners. But with with companies almost being forced to be a lot more transparent in you know, in terms of ANCAP testing or Euro ANCAP testing um, and what features are expected to be in there. Um, and they're also giving these vehicles to press. A, a long time ago, some of these manufacturers, you know, it was they wouldn't even give it to press because they didn't want anybody talking about them outside of people buying them. Um, it, it shows that they're also building, uh, and, and we obviously can't comment on this particular vehicle, but you know that they are building better than to be expected vehicles for the price point at which they're asking. Um, yep. But yeah, exciting. We'll watch that space and, and hopefully um, we'll, we'll reach out to them and see if we can get a, a little bit more of a, a guide on on if it you know if there are some sort of uh rumblings of uh, if it could be heading down here uh, but look this uh, this is something uh that i'm sure you are happy about mick uh that the lang lang proving ground um will have automotive r&d continue with the purchase by uh vinfast yes yeah uh <laughs> it was funny because i um I, I really like vinfast i've had a look at a few of their like once i heard that they were 
well, a little bit before this, because Vinfast have been around. Everybody knows they've started snatching up um, Holden Ford and Toyota engineers uh, to assemble. So they've got a, I think they've got a team of about 150 in Melbourne already. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So obviously they're going to need somewhere to be able to play with all their toys, and Lang Lang's the ideal place for that. And a lot of people will go back there, and they'll probably have their stuff still in the desk from when they were there last time. Uh, <laughs> they'll have but, the same posters and family photos up. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I mean, they've got, um, you know, a lot of the their, their current products are based on um, on previous generation BMW designs. So they've already used that architecture previously. Um, I saw their president SUV the other day, which is, uh, I think, uh, an older X5 that's only got 350 kilowatts um, turbo V8 or something ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I think it's even got an old GM V8 in it, 6.2 litre or something. Yeah. But either way, these guys like doing things that look fancy and they, they kind of play on, um, actually, Vinfast the PR department from Vinfast say that, you know, people are buying these cars because they're the best car, blah, blah, blah. And also they're buying them because they're um, a, um, you know, a little bit of national pride because Vinfast are are from Vietnam and they're um, obviously the flashiest of Vietnamese manufacturers. Mm. Um, But it's a a kind of brand that's got a lot of excitement behind it, even domestically. I mean, they're not selling a bazillion vehicles no. but people are buying these cars and feeling proud about them and that's the kind of thing that lifts brands up and gets them running that well, how crazy is this? owned by the richest man in Vietnam also yeah, so they have so the Vinfast Lux SA 2.0 is based yeah. off the um, the F15 BMW X5 so that is the yeah. previous gen X5 like you said um, which is kind of weird because I don't think many people are familiar with you know that they basically can be buying these designs, licensing this, and and building it. Um, but you have the two engine options: is a two-liter BMW N20 um, inline four turbo, yep. or a six-point-two-liter GM LT1 V8. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's a sort of you know it's like a almost a. It's, it's a, a weird leap, kind of, you know, uh, something which people would only dream of a tuner doing, but they're doing it and and basically yep. doing a um So if you go fast or you go slow, you got nothing in between. There's no That's it, yeah. Um, and that LT1 as say, well, that's the um that's the new V8 yeah. that we didn't get in the Commodore before. So yeah. we ran the LS3 to the end mm-hmm. while in the US they um, swapped over using the LT1s which I think they're the direct injected 6.2s. Yeah. So it's the next generation V8. General, mm. uh, General Motors V8s that we didn't get. And they're even, um, you know, they're having Pinafarina doing these designs as well. So, yeah, yeah you know, and expensive you champagne tastes. Uh, that's, have uh, you looked at the president? <laughs> I've been looking at, I've just done, uh, been diving through Wikipedia because I'm not too familiar with Vinfast, but, um, but I do find it interesting that they do say uh, that GMSV will still be using, uh, will be able to continue to access the site um, for testing and no. engineering valid- validation. So that's yeah. a that's a nice um, pickup for for those vehicles to be able to use those those facilities. Um, but yeah, obviously this is a this is a, a good thing. Um, GM were a, you could say a motivated seller, um, particularly with the, the limited number of uh, manufacturers still holding a presence. Um, I do wonder if other brands such as Hyundai or anybody who does local validation and testing and tuning had yeah, any. Interest 
um, that would would have been an interesting uh, Not thing to, to spend explore. The money on it. No, yeah, well, it's, 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 it's the same as what they're saying there, how GMSV will still have access to the facility. Yeah. It's really the same as any other facility. It's owned by someone and you pay to get... You'll be able to rental it. Yeah, yeah. it depends yeah, on how yeah, you set it up. It's a shame that... Look, it is good that VinFast bought it, but it's a shame that someone like Lindsay Fox didn't build it because anything that Lindsay owns, you can rent. So, mm. you know, you can hire Phillip Island for the day if you want it. You can hire AARC down at Anglesey. Uh, this would have been the same thing. It would have been great as a brand to be able to go in and rent parts of Lang Lang um, doesn't matter what yep. brand you are um, yeah. but if Infast are open to that then you know you'd, you'd like to think there's potential for the for, to do the same sort of thing so mm. um, maybe we the, should put our sweet talking uh, hats on and um, see if we can negotiate some time down there do some tests <laughs> uh, that would be a I'd lot be of fun that. I'll be interested to see if um uh, if VinFast are open to, uh, I know there's been an organisation down in Lang Lang trying to um, assign the protected um, area down there, which has become um, a habitat for local wildlife. I wonder mm-hmm. if VinFast are going to maintain that uh, level of preservation for that um, for that parcel of land or not. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that's obviously... You know, you're not really sure whether companies, usually when companies buy stuff, they buy something to improve it and make it better and then get more money out of it. Whether or not VinFast are buying this for the utility or for the uh, opportunity to do more with it, it's um, something for the future. Yeah, it will be remain to seen. Yep. Uh, next bit of news. I know that you and I, Mick, were a bit excited. Maybe uh, Joel didn't feel the same way. No, he didn't <laughs> um, have pants on. I'm reserving my, my uh, <laughs> comment on the, the new Genesis G70 until after I've seen some better photos. Yeah, look, it look- is it is just computer-generated yeah, um, shots yeah. at the moment, So and it is grey on a grey sort of thing. But, look, so anyway, Genesis have um, unveiled the new G70 Sports sedan. The first generation was a cracker looking of a car, incredibly great-performing um, rear-wheel drive vehicle i loved it it, it looked I great loved it. and i loved um, it yeah i loved it I, I think it was a car that hyundai probably should have released you know maybe a couple of years ago before the genesis name hit yeah. here as a, as a larger sedan i think it would have really taken on the market um because it's a nice place to spend time um and it's you know it's just one of those things you can jump in and drive and it's got everything you want inside so um, I think you know Genesis are obviously believing that they'll do the same thing with this, um, but even better. You know the new screen and the setup inside. I think it's um, you know it looks like a, again another nice place. I do notice that it says there's a valet mode. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's if you want to preserve the rear tires. Um, but yeah, so it does bring in the overall design in line with the oh, GV80 um, um, the as well as the G80. Mode. The valet mode also prevents people from accessing your address book. Uh Mm. Nice. That's clever. Yes. Yep, because I've seen what movie was that? I think it's Death Wish with the remake of Death Wish with um, Bruce Willis, the guy to Die Hard, Bruce Willis. So the the valet accessed his address book, found out where home was, and then they found, they used that to be able to do a home invasion. So there you go. They're um, they're preventing Bruce Willis from getting cranky. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so look, I'm I'm really excited by it. I think it looks quite good. I would love to see some real photos of it. Um, but uh, but I'm liking this new styling. Um, yeah, my but... first knee jerk was that it 
that um, grill is too much. Um, yeah. But once I had a good look at it, once I had a good look at the computer-generated image, um, I think it's got potential. I think it will look good in real life, and I mm. like what they've mm. done with the headlights, um, with that strip through, which we know is obviously going to be the the core um, unifying design yeah. element for, for all the new Genesis stuff. Obviously, yeah. they've got it on the GV80 and the new G80 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've done quite good. The only thing I don't like about that picture is the wheels. They look off an infinity yeah. or something. Yeah. Mm. I'm yeah. sure they can look- do better than that. So more info will come, um, So, but it is expected to, to launch locally at the first half of next year, um, which obviously is not soon enough. Um, I am eagerly awaiting. So the GV80 is, um, is here. It hasn't launched yet. Um, we do expect that in October. So um, I've already been hassling uh, the Hyundai and Genesis teams as to when I can actually book that in um, because I'm really keen to drive it and I don't want to wait months um, whilst other Genesis. Oh, I've already to got one. It. Two weeks. Two weeks from now. Oh, really? Uh, no, I made that up. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I was about to disconnect. <laughs> but I've been ringing numbers too. Please, give me, give me. <laughs> Um, but no, so I'm, I'm really liking this. Uh, it is, I think, pushing um, some some buttons of annoyance uh, for other makers in the premium segment because Genesis have been doing a good job of undercutting, um, you know, those those more expensive luxury brands. So, and they've been doing a good job of it. So, look, just uh, hurry up, bring us some proper photos so we can either crucify it or fall in love with it further. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's that one. Um, but, look, the new one uh, in terms of BT50s, we spoke about they've confirmed all the features, but they're finally, finally here in terms of stock. Um, I'm not sure there's really, there's nothing really new f- to talk about it, um, but the, the first batch of 39 third gen uh, dual cabs have arrived in Brisbane and um, basically, yeah, their launch range includes the dual cab chassis, the dual cab pickup body styles, three trim levels, um, uh, the XT, the XTR, and the high spec GT. So um, expect reviews to to come at some point. Now that they've obviously got some some vehicles on the ground, and then uh, dealers not too not too long after that, they are saying it will go on sale in October. So um, obviously with um, international trade and shipping and things like that being complicated, um, obviously they it's it's setting expectations that um, to not expect a ton of stock. I assume by announcing that there's only 39 here right now, I'm, I'm assuming they're wanting to sell a lot more than that each month. Um, but it is that, you know, I guess obviously there's a bit of a, you know, we're excited about it and, um, you know, they're just saying, look, it's coming, it's here and uh, you'll be able to see one in person soon. Yeah, it's, um, what, what do you think of the, uh, I mean, it's, uh, these are only pictures of the freight uh, vehicles really yeah uh, it seems strangely like that makes the cabin look really tiny and the bottom of it look really large yeah I, I think I think it's just that that Mazda front end design that is yeah, common that, across all of them really which has massive. a very it is a very high front um, yeah. that really makes it look a little bit squished but I think a person the proportions will work out a lot better. Um, yep. But yeah, I think it's just that 
maybe the the Mazda design language that they've really incorporated in this model, which is probably, you know, the Isuzu is very similar as well. That front end is very, yep. very high. Um, and I saw one of those in person on Monday last week. And, um, yeah, it, it just feels like it's it's quite large and, and confronting almost. Um, but... Yeah, I think I think it works. I think um, throw on throw some accessories on there as well, and I think they'll be interesting to see um, of what you typically yeah. see from from families and tradies alike. Um, I'm gonna go to Brisbane anyway. I'm gonna find one somewhere. <laughs> Look, they're in Brisbane somewhere, so just uh, get a drone going and you'll find it. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so more teasers, Joel, um, of the the Nissan Z. Proto, which yes, so Nissan have released a video this week on YouTube where we've actually had had a bit of a, uh, a tease of what it's going to sound like, um, and there is a shot internally that shows that it's going to be manual, which yeah. will keep a lot of people happy, I think. Um, but it's actually revealed in the next couple of days, so we'll be able to talk about it on next week's show. Mm. Um, we'll bring you the full details of what they what they announce. Um, but yeah, sixteenth, I think, isn't it? Fifteenth, uh, so it'll probably 15th, be. That could be late here for us, depending on on the 15th or whether it could be um, early the next day, depending on the time. Mm. But sounds good. The the footage, um, we get a couple glimpses of wheels and stuff like that. I already like the the wheel design, and there's a very brief look at the the overview shape um, in in the shadow. Uh, But it does also feature the new Nissan logo, the change logo, as part of the the video. But, um, yeah, so it's, um, according to Autoblog, it's on the 15th at 8.30pm Eastern time. Um, so that'll be 16th uh, our time. And what I what I do find interesting, so A, it sounds like a high revving V6. Um, and B, that transmission tunnel looks very similar to 370Z. It doesn't look too drastically different. It doesn't, does it? It, it, if if they, they could have used the 50th anniversary vehicle that we've both driven and I probably wouldn't be able to necessarily tell the difference um, of that transmission tunnel. Not that I've got anything to complain about that, but it is interesting that... Um, but maybe there's, there's there's potentially a few parts in the interior that they've... Um, there's going to be a, carry, a bit of carry over there. Yeah, because it is. it does have that unmistakable... I'm just sort of playing through the video right now just to get a better view of it. Um, and it does have that those rounded bits um, and the circular buttons... Um, and it still doesn't, and it doesn't have a uh, an electronic park brake. It's still got the uh, good old uh, drift tastic uh, yeah. reef it up handbrake. So look, I'm liking what I'm seeing. They so give- it's the early hours of um, the 16th for us will be the announcement. Mm. So I'll be able to talk about it and um, stop guessing <laughs> like we're doing right now and actually see it. So, but yeah, stay tuned for that. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far, and Nissan um, seems to be going back to their roots and uh yeah oh even it's if a, they change nothing but just give me a little bit more leg room and an mm, adjustable steering wheel and just a couple of little bits of updated you know better sounding um no. bluetooth audio and i don't know no. it, it's important to me it's important to me but um i want to keep that orange dot matrix uh instrumentation as well <laughs> <laughs> even if it's yeah. just an app to put it on the touch screen i don't care yeah <laughs> Uh, but no, look, so yeah, stay tuned for that. We've got a couple of launches coming up um, through the week all around that same sort of time. So we'll have plenty of t- to talk about uh, next week with those couple of big ones. Um, but so the Ford Ranger, 
they've expanded their four x four XLT double cab chassis. Um, yep. So yeah, it's a it's a nice addition for for those wanting to have that flexibility, I guess, of having that cab chassis on there rather than just uh, the body style. Yeah, well, you see a lot of the tradies; they all go for that same. Um, oh, they pretty much do it to the Land Cruisers uh, seventy. Yeah, they do. Mainly, just yeah. stick those custom um, lock boxes racks and, and lock yeah. boxes. Yeah, everything on the back there. So, um, I th- uh, Hilux has done the same thing as well. So they've got the higher grade um, coming out, so that they can yeah. have a cab chassis as well. So, obviously, everybody's recognised this part of the market and and is responding to it, which yeah. they should too, because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you guys have ever gone for a drive in a standard uh, old-fashioned but still new Land Cruiser <laughs> they're pretty they're uh, they're not the most comfortable truck in the world to, to drive around in so as soon as you <laughs> give somebody the option to have a car uh, a truck that's a bit more comfortable like the Rangers yeah. um, and put your put your big um, custom back on it mm-hmm. I reckon these are going to sell like wildfire I reckon yeah. Land Cruiser are probably thinking about what they can do instead well they don't have to worry about it they've got the Hilux I guess yeah but they've got um, so they've got the and, and this obviously comes with all the, the new features that the um, that the standard Ranger comes with so you have uh, Ford Ford Pass Connect um, with embedded modem so you can use the Ford Pass app and uh, you've got Sync, Sync 3 with built-in satellite nav breadcrumbs function DAB radio so that's that's one up on uh, your, your Corolla no your CHR um, uh, Mick Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, um, as a as well as a reversing camera loom. So, so that's see that's a handy little thing. So even though you don't have the body style, you do have the ability to plug in um, or to add a reversing camera to your cat to your to your cab chassis. So that. Um, I think that's a handy thing that you normally lose when you go to yep. a vehicle like this. So that's great forward thinking. And I, I guess it's already there from the body style. So they've just left it there and made it available. Um, which Did you just yeah. come up with their new with their new tagline or what? <laughs> well, yeah. that, that's great forward thinking. Just... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, there you go. Look, oh, yeah. Yeah, my, my... That's, either a ter- that's either a terrible pun or fantastic advertising. I'm not Look, sure. my... Um... <laughs> <laughs> My invoice is in the mail, Ford. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but no, so, so that's uh, handy. When do they say this is going to come? Uh, they, uh, December 2020. So if you're keen on that one, um, it starts from 56 to 40 uh, is, the, is the list price. Um, and uh, so you've got three little variants there going up to 59,940 for the bi-turbo 10-speed. At the at the top, um, your Prestige Paint Adaptive Cruise Control is an option at five hundred dollars. Um, if you want XLT leather accented seats, fifteen hundred, and uh, black alloy wheels for your XLT, is seven fifty. But you can probably go out and paint them and uh, for a little bit cheaper. So that's uh, or you'll probably go out and uh, put your own wheels on it anyway. I don't even know if you could paint your wheels for seven fifty for four black wheels. That's pretty good. Ah, oh, look, you I know, can the alloy, but anyway, a spray point, spray paint, and you're good. <laughs> that's, I don't, that's just plasti dip terrible. it. Then you can peel it off and do your own color for twenty bucks. So there you go. <laughs> but look, so one thing that they've done interestingly from Ford is with the new Puma. So obviously, particularly in Victoria, lockdowns, um, meaning that. Uh, yeah, and this is a response to maybe there's a little, still a little bit of apprehension to going into the dealer, um, and so what they're doing, and and this is a, a 
bad pun, um, but the Ford Puma desk drives um, is an option, you know, is your opportunity to a virtual test drive program um, in Australia. And so, as I say, the Ford Puma arrives with effortless style, practicality and simple, easy driveway pricing. Um, But I think it's a good looking... uh, compact SUV the the focusing on the, the virtual test drive program is probably overshadowing the vehicle itself a little bit um, because even for them that's what they lead it with um, even though I'm sure if you google for the Ford Puma it's, it's going to be front and center on the website anyway um, so I think they'll um, be better off focusing on some of the things so it does have um, a lot of awards yeah, from overseas to go and do the desktop <laughs> exactly rather than saying um, hey we've got a new feature but but what is even more confusing and, and, and taking away from the vehicle itself is that for they have introductory offers um, for people who do an in-person test drive in September and October and so there's no incentive for you to, to do a virtual desk drive which they're promoting more than anything else i would have thought they would do a offer a sales incentive for you if you do the desk drive and then you end up coming in doing a deal that's when you get the discount not when you go in in i don't know i i feel like they've kind of lost the um the the messaging here a little bit of what they should be incentivizing um given that they're spending more than half the press release talking about the uh the desk drive Are are you trying to assume that um, buyers aren't smart enough to make the leap from the desktop to the to the real world test drive to, to actually get the benefit out of doing the real world thing. So you can actually figure out whether or not you want to do the real world thing and get the benefit mm. just by doing the desktop drive first. I think that's well. Yeah, well, I would have thought that it would be you know do the virtual desk you know virtual test drive I'm, gonna, I'm tired of calling it desk drive do the virtual test drive and then go hey if you go in and buy the vehicle here's an incentive and then you know you sort of follow on because then the salesperson will want to give you a virtual test uh, a proper test drive anyway um, or they should be converting and going hey if you like it we'll give you a discount whack down a deposit now and then finish off the paper you know we'll get a deal your closest dealership to finish off the paperwork and arrange everything else from there um given that everybody else has sort of gone down that line of offering an ability to buy the car online and find what you want um i I think it's just a little bit confusing in 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 this but anyway i even even think the discussion is probably taking away from the uh (laughs) the quality of the vehicle as well just that we've talked about it now yeah but uh, is so what's this about the same size as the duke and the chr is it it looks like it yeah Yeah. interesting though there's a new badge line as well so you're going to have puma front wheel drive puma st line but then an Mm. st line v which is a new Mm. description Mm. you haven't seen from ford before yeah. Is that going to be like a luxury version or something? It looks like it's going to be, I reckon it's ST line, but with added either more safety or more luxury added to it. I reckon I probably think. luxury bits like and pieces. They, like they don't, the, they the don't really quarter looks talk quite about sharp it too. But the front, the back, they all look good. I just, mm. 
I'd love to see one in li- in real life. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll just have to settle for a desktop drive, but, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but I'm sure it'll look good in real life yeah. as well. What it's, what uh, I do find interesting, so that, that in-person um, test drive bonus, if you buy the vehicle, is a bonus of $500. Um, but if you're an existing Ford owner, and they don't say you have to trade in your Ford vehicle, but if you're an existing Ford owner, that loyal- yeah, it actually doubles to 1000 as a loyalty bonus. Um, so they're incentivizing those who already own a Ford. So it's they're um, yeah. and, and saying thanks for being a Ford owner. You don't have to trade it in. So if you're adding another one to your um, to your garage, that's great. Here's a bonus five hundred bucks on the car. So I think that's, oh, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Normally it's the other way. If you're a new person, we'll give you more of a bonus. Kind of like what we see with telco companies. They, you know, the offers are only available to new customers. So it's kind of nice to see something that's done just for um, for an existing customer. That's a uh, nice little bonus but you do get the five year unlimited kilometer for factory warranty um and also uh what they call ford service benefits so that's a complimentary service loan car auto club membership including roadside assistance as well as uh sync three sat nav updates um but yeah so there we go. Uh, I think um, we'll we'll wait to get a little bit more, and I'll keep uh, hassling Ford to to get one up here and uh, to experience it. I think um, it looks quite good, and we had a pretty good response when we shared. We shared photos on our on our Instagram, um, but yeah, I think it's a car that comes, sort of comes back to what we we're talking about before with the uh, with the MGA Aviator. There's there's a renewed interest in in, in small um, vehicles like this, particularly when pricing for this one starts at thirty thirty one. Where is it? Uh, I had it right here. Thirty-one nine ninety drive away. Thirty-three nine ninety for the for that middle ST line, and the ST line V is thirty-six nine ninety. So it's pretty pretty good pricing for yeah uh, for what it is, and is in line with um you know the the Duke and um, CHR. And I've just put myself. I've made myself an appointment to do a Ford Puma test drive. So I'll tell you what that's like <laughs> next week. Okay, I'm actually going to do one. Yeah. <laughs> so next up is the the Jimny. Um, so what what happened is uh, over in the EU and and in the UK they have strict uh, emissions regulations. And um, one particular way that you can sort of get around it, particularly if you've got a car that's a little bit more uh, old school, is um, is to actually call it a, a commercial vehicle. Um, and so what they've done with the Suzuki Jimny is thrown out the uh, the back two seats, created a flat platform, thinned out some of the door plastics in, in the rear, and voila, you've got a commercial, a small commercial vehicle. Um, but what, what is interesting, and, and I will have to talk to our friends at Suzuki up here, is, um, is looking at, well, I think a lot of people that I know who own Jimny's would have actually preferred this version because most of them have the seats in the back permanently folded down because with them up you don't get a lot of storage space um so it's basically a two-seater anyway um you don't get many and, friends putting them in the back seat either yeah, that's right it's a good excuse to to say oh sorry can't take you um and it does have a cargo net in the in the back as well so it does give you about an extra 33 liters of storage capacity um so it is 863 liters in total um but I, I don't know what this means for for waiting times because factory um, waiting times is still pretty huge. So you still, unless you get lucky on a particular um, variant, you can still be waiting about twelve to eighteen months, depending on what you're after specifically. So it's still a fairly long wait. Um, and a few people I know were, were 
kind of excited when the UK and the EU, they stopped selling the vehicle there. Um, but obviously with the return of it, coming back as a light commercial any of that extra capacity um has been sort of pushed <laughs> right in right back into um this uh, commercial version yeah it's cool to see i'm really excited by this i'd be interested to see whether it does come here yeah. to oz because you know with the increase in storage and stuff like that i'm intrigued to see whether it, it comes here i think it, mm-hmm. it could be a good sell and like you say people that have bought them previously would probably be interested in this um yeah and it does increase the storage capacity a little bit as well. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll keep an eye and see what mm. Suzuki does. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of, uh, let's jump across to another very popular, or well, popular online anyway, um, Four Drive is the Land Rover Defender. Um, they've added a six-cylinder diesel and uh, X-Dynamics packs to the model lineup, um, as well as a Defender 90, I think, a three, a proper three-door version. Um, so this seems to be pretty uh, pretty exciting. So the 90 comes in at $71,500, and the 110 model at $74,500, with deliveries happening in February 2021. Um, but yeah, the six-cylinder is pretty powerful 294 kilowatts um, of power um, it also has like a, a mild hybrid electric vehicle tech in there um, as well as the petrol lineup oh sorry I, I got my petrol mix up so four cylinder p300 221 kilowatts six cylinder p400 294 kilowatts the uh the diesel is 147 kilowatts 500 newton meters at the entry d250 183 570 and the range topping d300 220 kilowatts with 650 newton meters of, of torque so still nothing to uh to sneeze at um in terms of that uh diesel power right there it's cool they're finally bringing the 90 here, though. Originally, we were talking about the 110, but we knew the 90 was coming and that was going to be probably delayed till after the 110. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're arriving here in Feb, um, early early next year. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I think the 90 is a good-looking thing, little two-door thing. Um yeah, is a is a nice design. So I think the 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 ninety will probably be quite popular. Um, I do think. I, I saw. So too, I think yeah. I reckon I saw more nineties previous of the previous gen than I mm-hmm. saw one one tens. Um, because you know people like the ability, the shorter wheelbase and stuff like that. But the ninety looks so good uh, in the short wheelbase, particularly in these pictures that accompany the press release with the the black trim with the silver bodywork. It um, that's a really really nice combination. Whoever mm. spec'd up that press car in the UK has done very very well because it's got yeah. black wheels as well um, is it disturbing anyone else that those first two press shots that the car is at almost exactly the same angle yeah it's very very similar <laughs> it's freaking me out mm. <laughs> looks like they just superimposed it but yeah the um, they're so popular the shorties and don't you notice um, Americans like every time I post one on Instagram they go crazy every time you show a, a, a Land Rover yeah, yeah, they love them over there. There, there's lots on. Um, uh, there's lots of guys in groups and forums and stuff that are big fans of them. And, and uh, I know the Juno, my Juno mates in the US, they're big fans, and they always uh, they're always talking about them whenever one pops up locally for sale. Mm, mm. Yeah, and and look, there's so many models to choose from now. With obviously with all of those different. Um, 
engine uh, modes as well as yet throw in the X dynamic pack, um, which is pretty expensive, seventy five hundred dollars. Um, but the the price ranges wildly. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six different variants um, on the petrol just in the one ten alone, as well as five diesel options, all ranging from seventy four thousand five hundred all the way up to one hundred thirty seven thousand dollars. Um, and then in, in ninety, you've got one, two, three, four five six and six petrol five diesel as well um and they again range from seventy one thousand five hundred all the way up to 135 so yeah man it's a uh, so so much choice depending on exactly what 20, you're wanting out of it 22 model options between petrol yeah. and diesel yeah that's crazy they're almost like porsche <laughs> with the 911 variants yeah. um but still doesn't change uh how excited I'm about them. But so let's, uh, before we jump into some of these uh, international bits, um, bring a trailer. How do we go from last week? I know that um, uh, my little Porsche twin plug, 2.7 litre powered 1970 9146 race car sold for $92,000, which I still feel like a bargain just for the photo quality alone. (laughs) Um, Mick, I'll I'll drop the link in there in our chat for you to have a look i think you'll like it quite a lot but how do you go uh with your vehicles joel so one of mine was actually carried over from the week before so the 190 yeah. um, evolution from the week before sold for two hundred and fifty-one thousand dollars. so wow um that's a pretty rare car the 190 yeah. evolution 2 was a rare car so that was a good thing uh the you know, chevy I actually Corvette... saw one of those in nambour oh really wow ago. yep it can't be you many had the Mino two number plates i'd find that guy and become his friend <laughs> Um, and then, so my Callaway Corvette, the twin turbo one, didn't meet its reserve. It got mm-hmm. to 40, 40 grand and didn't meet reserve. My 95 Bronco sold for 32 grand. Um, my, nine, my 85 Bronco sold for 43 grand. So the older Bronco did better than the newer Bronco, which is uh, not which is not surprising because everyone sort of loves the older ones. And then my Viper, my GTS GT2 Championship Edition, sold for ninety eight and a half thousand dollars. So wow. um, yeah, so where I said Vipers, uh, the standard SRT tens, the early ones hold their value and haven't shifted. The obviously later GS and GT2 ones are obviously um, are doing well for the value. So, you know, Absolutely. Uh, almost a hundred grand. Wow. Oh, well, uh, what are we uh, what are we picking uh, this week, gentlemen? What's uh, do you want to go off uh, first, Mick? What did what did you pick for this week? Uh, sorry, I was just ogling your uh, twin plug two points. Oh yeah, power. it's so it's good. Simple. Hey, it is very nice. Um, so. I did have I'll close the link now, so that's that's my own fault. Uh, it was a nineteen seventy eight Porsche nine eleven. SC Speedster. Nice. I don't know. We talked about this one earlier. It's it's a bit of a maybe because he's got some, uh, you know, they're not fake fuchsias. Well, they are, but he's actually got them uh, rotary forged 18-inch versions for the wheels, which it makes them fake. It just makes them really expensive mm. fakes. Um, and it kind of makes the car look good while it's parked, but I'm not sure how good it would be moving along, but I'm quite happy to park up and look fancy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but... Yeah, it's um, a good-looking thing, that thing. I love the cult, so... 
Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it, I just they, those early Porsches. The uh, well, oh, it's real. Technically, it's the later um, air-cooled Porsches. They just. It, that's just my childhood for me. Mm. They've always been an icon for me, and I'll, I'll, I don't think I could ever go past one. Mind you, I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford to have one broken down on the side of the road either. So um, yeah. let's just let's just keep it to bring a trailer. <laughs> How about you guys? How did you go? Well, Joel, uh, did you? Were you able to narrow it down? I know no, that. Uh... I never can. So I have a couple <laughs> honorable, honorable mentions this week. Um, one of them mm-hmm. was quite unique. It's an '92 AutoZam AZ1, which is a little gold-wing car oh, from yeah. Japan, yep. uh, two-seater Japanese car. Uh, that's currently at ten and a half with two days to go. Um, the other one was going the other end of the spectrum was a supercharged 2019 Toyota 4Runner TRD Pro. Uh, oh, I'm wow. disappointed okay. we don't get the 4Runner here in. Yeah. because it's a cool little thing I've got a couple of journo mates in the US that love these things a couple of guys that own multiples of them uh, and big fans of them and the TRD ones apparently are the ones to own this thing's mm. the beautiful um, that beautiful bright blue which looks absolutely fantastic and it's had a bit of work done to it so it's got some nice um, off-road extras currently got three days to go at 48 grand um, so that was another honourable mention there's another classic Audi in here again this week there's an 86 Audi 4000 CS Quattro. Um, I don't like the shape of this as much as the one I had on here last time, uh, but it's still a little honourable mention. Currently at three grand. The other interesting one was a 1,300-mile 2006 Spyker C8. Uh, we don't see many Spikers around these days. They had a- I, was, I, was just looking at, I was just looking at that, trying to decide whether or not to interrupt you and say, oh, wait, I just found there's a Spiker in the kit, in the in the collection. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an these- interesting-looking thing. Like, I don't, oh, they're amazing. The steering wheel is ugly as hell, but the, the, the rest whole thing's of it, hideous. Yeah, it's good. Gosh. Good and bad things, but it's currently at two hundred grand with four days to go. So, I'll be interesting yeah. to watch that and see what uh, what it does. Um, and then my last honourable mention is a ninety-five BMW M5 touring wagon. Oh yeah, I saw uh, that which one. is quite yeah. nice. Um, it's currently it's in England, so obviously some of the bring a trailer stuff is not always in the US. Fifteen mm-hmm. grand with five days to go, so that should be interesting to watch what that sells for. But my choice this week was a nineteen eighty Mercury Cosworth Capri prototype. So obviously Mercury is that brand that Ford share... Uh, that, that Ford obviously has as a, a brand. This thing is effectively a Fox Body Mustang, um, but with it was built by um, Mercury and McLaren. Um, it's a unique thing. It's got a very slight tweak to it compared to the Fox Body, sort of a wider body on it. Really, really cool mm-hmm. interior. Um, this thing is just absolutely awesome. Uh, I love these things. This will probably go for big money, I reckon, in the end. It's got four days left. It's 16 and a half thousand dollars at the moment um, it's got a 1.6 litre Cosworth inline 4 ZF5 speed manual um, yeah this thing is uh, is one of these cars from that that era of Ford and Mercury that is just it's just it's just it is unique it's just it's something about it um, so yeah I'm intrigued to see how it goes and what it ends up selling for um, what did you go for Ash? Oh, look, so I'll give a honest honorary mention. 1972 D. Tommaso 
Yeah, Pantera. I saw that. <laughs> that was cool. It, uh, wonderful photos. It's always the photos that sell it for me. Um, but this has got a 61,000 miles. Um, it's had a replacement 31, uh, 351 cubic inch V8 going through a ZF5 speed manual. Um, but yeah, it just looks great. And um, needs a bit of love on the interior, I think. Um, but exterior, it just, uh, yeah, it looks really, really tidy. Um, and it's got all the books and everything like that. So, yeah, it, it looks great, sounds great, and um, really enjoyed it. But um, but for me... <laughs> how, 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 how comprehensive are those books? I know, I love it. There, there'd be reams and volumes mm. of... It broke yesterday. Oh, it broke the day after. It broke the day before that. Yes. <laughs> the diary, it's back at the shop again. Yep. Um, but no, my pick is a 1944 Volkswagen Type 166 Schwimmwagen. Yeah, I saw that. Um, <laughs> there seems to be two listings for um, from that site. Oh, no, that's not the one I was thinking about. That's There's another one. Um, there's a couple of other interesting classic Volkswagen kind of things on there, but that thing is, yeah, that's unique. Yeah, so this is at $85,000 right now. Um, what is it or what? So I've just put in the link in uh, in our chat for you, but it's a uh, it's so this is oh. ex- <laughs> extremely rare from from what the comments are saying. So the comments yeah. saying say this won't go cheap. Um, the only one I've ever seen in person was what the Deutsche Museum in Munich, and um, there are lots more on person you think, despite jamming four stormtroopers in the back in the day, laden with gear. Not to mention the original engine only had twenty five horsepower, um, yeah. not like thirty six in. An entry level uh, VW bug. Um, but there were, can I say, yeah, so someone goes, um, one person owns a, a 44 Swim and Kubel Wagen, um, but they're saying there are less than 12,000 of them produced and less than 200 exist today, as most Swim Wagens were used as target practice towards the end of the war by the US and other soldiers. Um, but basically, say, look, everything is. Uh, is, is mostly functioning. Um, it does have hydraulic brakes that were fitted in the 1960s. Um, but yeah, it has a... Uh, uh, let me just say, it's, it's good. Uh, features include dual fuel fillers, machine gun mount, a shovel and paddle, a fold-down windshield, dual mirrors, and a top-mounted muffler with storage for the propeller rod. Um, so in case you haven't put it together, Swim Wagen is a swimming wagon, um, and it is an amphibious vehicle from Second World War. It uh, came out from... Uh, it was registered for road use in the 1960s, refurbished in Germany in the 1980s before imported to the US, where it was acquired by the seller in 2020. So a bit of a flip, I guess. Um, the moment it does send... Uh, it's an air, air-cooled flat four. You'll put the rear motor in it, are you? <laughs> Um, but no, nah, I think this looks extremely cool. It's a it's a great it does piece, piece of history. Cool. Um, looks very very tidy. Um, it does have a replica machine gun mounts mounted somewhere. Um, but no, I think um, and if anybody was brave enough to see if it was still uh, water, you know, seaworthy, if, if yeah. it's still floated, um, I'd, I'd, you know, freshwater pool or something. I think it would probably be the way that I'd, I'd do it. No, dig something out and would you go full ham? Would you just dump it in a in a lake somewhere and see how it went? No, I'd take it down to um, 
Majimba Beach and head out to Old Woman Island. Because <laughs> if I didn't make it, at least I could make it to the island. But it's got no roof, so you can just like, if it sinks, you can float. It's, it's yeah, that's good. right. Yeah. But it does look very cool. Yeah, like and um, yeah, so it, it and just kind of like you know those rail maintenance uh, vehicles where the the um, the tracks you know the wheels recline retract up on this you've just got a casual um, propeller hanging off the yeah, back the that you can lower <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but it's got um, paddle tires on it too it does yeah and yep. uh, you've got a paddle and a shovel on the side just in case you get stuck so never happen <laughs> there you go <laughs> Um, but no, so it's eighty-five thousand dollars, and it's still got four days to go. So I, th- I expect that to go for a tidy amount, uh, for sure. But boy, all right. So let's let's jump into some international news because we do have in half an hour the uh, the the Tuscan Grand Prix starting. So I'm hitting, I'm ready to to hit the the DRS button and uh, fly through these. Yep. Uh, so first up, Skoda going petrol for the next Kodiak RS so they're ditching diesel they must have heard us whinging yeah (laughs) you know that's what happens when you annoy engineers enough and um, (laughs) burn the ears of marketing people you get what you want Um, (laughs) but yeah I've had um, a friend who I recommended to go check out the Kodiak Um, he was looking at I can't remember um, the what's it called? The All Space, uh, the Tiguan. Ah, uh, so okay. Look at the Kodiaks, much yeah. nicer car, and he goes, you know, too too slow. The one thirty two TSI is is not enough grunt. Um, and then the idea of the diesel was also, uh, let's just say, not appealing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Kodiak is a, is a fantastic sized vehicle. It's mm. fitted really nicely. It's just, it just, it's always needed more grunt. Yeah. And so the reason why they're ditching uh, diesel for the RS at least is because of the, um, the EU6 AP emissions. Yep. Um, so obviously with petrol and the turbocharging technology in there, they can, um, you know, it's a it's a bit easier to to work with compared to to diesel, but um, but I assume we'll get that at some point um, through here. It's just um, but yeah, I'm I'm always happy to to get a nice uh, turbocharged uh, petrol, particularly in something like that. Uh, but yep. from a from a Lexus thing, they're um going all the way full ham with a 472. RCF Fuji Speedway Edition, um, as well as look and and hold on to your hats for this one. They're adding as standard blind spot monitoring with rear cross traffic alert, heated electrochromatic exterior mirrors, and memory um, on the driver's seat. So forget all of the other go fast bits. They <laughs> the rest of the headlines because that is literally the two points they have. <laughs> 472 Having horsepower that, and blind spot monitoring. The electrochromatic exterior mirrors, I actually like them because you don't get the um, the blinding uh, lights from cars behind yep. you with the electrochromatic yeah. mirrors, yeah. which are actually quite good. But yeah. again, this is for RCF Fuji Speedway. It should be like, I don't know, an extra 50 horsepower or something. <laughs> That's right, not, yeah. Not heated side mirrors. No. Yeah. So there's only six of, six of these. These are a track-focused version. Um, so it is. it has the best power-to-weight ratio in its class, the most powerful V8 um, Lexus to date. 
our Lexus has to date. Uh, cutting dynamics, unique exhaust signature, um, and yeah, 472 horsepower, 7100 RPM. Um, yeah, so it's a five liter V8, which from a Japanese car is kind of cool. Um, yep. You know, it's not at a big fat, even though the um, the 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 media announcement is coming out of Texas. Um, Oh, but that's uh, that's we're looking at the news press USA site that that explains it. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's uh, that's exciting. There's only sixty though, um, but you're getting sort of you know bits off the off the GT3 version of the car. So yeah, um, it looks cool. But yeah, sixty. There's not very many for people to to try and get their hands on, unfortunately. So start start wrestling now. That's in it. other words, start wrestling. <laughs> yeah. But so here's an interesting thing. So Maserati, um, this week they unveiled their MC20 supercar. Um, but it was kind of a, a chance for Maserati to hit the reset button or at least the, the next chapter button um, for for the brand because not only did they reveal uh, a, a full-on, you know, sports car that they have developed, but it's also uh, a number of different things. So one... Um, it's the first uh, Maserati-built engine um, in in almost twenty years, so that's that. So they're no no longer will be using Ferrari-derived engines, but they'll be building their own. So this one is a twin-turbo, uh, six hundred and thirty horsepower V six um, with seven hundred and thirty newton meters of torque that still delivers. So that sounds you know small in quotes, but um, with its uh, with its I think it's fifteen fifteen hundred kilos of uh, curb weight it gets to 0 to 102.9 seconds and has a top speed of over 325 k's an hour um but they're also will be having a full electric version coming um, down the line, as well as they announced in this, and they kind of buried the lead on this, but the first all-electric uh, cars that will be coming underneath the Maserati's brand will actually be the Gran Turismo and the Gran Cabrio. So the V8, you know, sports cars that Maserati had sort of been their mainstay for a really long time and, and through their um their sort of like relaunch with the, the Ghibli, the updated Quattroporte and the Levante, um, it will actually be leading their um this sort of their charge into this new era by focusing on full electric versions of those vehicles in the new generation. So that's um so now we can sort of forgive them for, for holding on to the current Gran Turismo and Gran Cabrera for so long um, because, well, hey, they're basically turning them to full electric sports cars. Um, so that's really exciting, and I'm, I'm, I'm very keen to, to, to see the MC20 up close because I received an email from... Um, one of their their guys and uh, from their team and saying that they will be having a shell coming around um, in into, through like through Australia for private viewings and um, we'll be able to schedule time to have a look at that. So um, I'll be very curious and obviously if they're doing that they they must be intending on on building a right hand drive version as well. Yeah. Um, so that's that. No indication of price at the moment. It's 100% made in Modena in Italy. And um, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, and, and they're also um, introducing at the same time the final bit that sort of is the cherry on top of all of it is that they will be introducing their... Um, 
their one-off program. Um, so if you want a particular vehicle, you know, whether it's a, I assume it's similar to some of the other one-off programs, like say what Ferrari have, where if you're willing to, you know, as long as you've, you've got the money you're willing to spend, you can totally customize the vehicle any way that you want from body styling to seat colors or anything. So if you just want to have a custom color of paint, you can do that. Or if you want to go all the way, um, and basically, uh, build your own type of Maserati, they'll, um, they'll sort of help you in doing that um so it's a very exciting sort of new launch for the brand and um with this supercar i'm i'm liking it there's a ton of um of carbon fiber being used the the interior sort of goes back to basics with only a couple of buttons and um some very straightforward sort of key focuses on um with it being a a a, a sort of supercar that is a, a track car yeah. for the road um the the suspension setup is is very much um you know racing car derived um yeah it, it's exciting it's great that they're doing this i'd love to learn more about their electric um and the electric systems they're building i assume that it, some of the technology might even come back the other way and go into to Ferrari, um, but they're using Maserati as a bit of a you know test the field and see where it goes. Um, but I think it's a, it's a great way to differentiate Maserati a little bit more and allow it to have a little bit of independence moving forwards. And by doing it with the MC20 as the um, you know as the hero car for the new um, new era. Yeah. Can't wait. Always been a fan of Maserati just as a, uh, you know, one of those, you know, the legendary brands that sort of sit yeah. above everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, they seem to be beyond everybody else's machinations and jumping to and fro for um, yeah. the latest market fad. They never seem to have really fallen for that, for that issue, but again by the same token they've seriously needed some um some more investment they deserve to 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 come back into the limelight it's mm, just like mm. a good strategy to get there yeah yep it's yeah, so. electric stuff it's it's a, it's a shame that we have to do it but it's it's not really because it's what everyone else wants it's just not what i want yeah it's exciting to see them back in and, and the, the fact that the mc20 pays tribute to the the mc12 that that awesome race car yeah but um yeah. it's interesting to read that this car will also um announce their intention to return to the world of racing so mm. i'm intrigued to see what class they run this thing in and where they run it but the fact that they're returning to racing is great news for, for maserati fans and, yeah because it's something they haven't of, they haven't done in a long time obviously with the the gran turismo they they had some variants early on as race cars but they they really didn't have the vehicle platform to do it um so yeah this is a great great way to return and to 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 raise that that but that profile faster yep yeah i guess it do you think GT3 would fit within the GT3? No, it's maybe more a GT4 car. So if it's like yeah. KDM, KDM um, with their crossbow and stuff like that, it could mm-hmm. be that potential, depending on what factor they're going to go, whether they're going to go GT4 or GT3, but yeah. um, or even a one-make series, you know. That yeah. could be another option they could be doing for, for people um, that are doing stuff... Uh, 
you know, similar to the way Lamborghini do with mm-hmm. their with their one-off series, um, they may do that. So, look, you know, regardless of what championship or where they go, I think it's exciting for for fans of Maserati yeah, and you right. know, people that if they turn it into a, a pure race car and have a GT3 or GT4 mm-hmm. racing mm-hmm. version, I think that's great. But yeah. this brand is just it's just exploded the last couple of years with what they've yeah, done. Absolutely, um, with the launch of the Levante, um, obviously this MC20, they're now te- teasing a new um, Grip. Carl, uh, I think that's right. I hope that's yeah, right. Yeah, new, um, new, slightly smaller SUV. Yeah, which um, is really exciting because if it's anything like a Levante, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm really intrigued to see what they do with this. But mm. um, yeah, they say that this is coming. It looks like it may be a set of an Alfa Romeo Stelvio kind of size. Um, so yeah, it, it's intrigued to see what it is. It's coming next year, they're saying. Um, so when that will be released, who knows? Maybe it's early next year. Um, but yeah, that's you know the brand is just full of excitement at the moment, uh, and I can't wait to see you know the Grakal come, but obviously the MC20 land on Australian shores. Mm, mm, Thank you yeah. for attempting that name, Joel, because I wasn't going to. No, I wasn't either. But I should ask. <laughs> I, I must reach out to my um, my Maserati friend in Sydney. Yeah, it's probably Grichali or something. We've got and ask him. Off. He'll be able to tell me his pronunciation. Of, just don't um, forget to use the hands. That's that's the most important thing <laughs> when, you, when you pronounce it. That's. <laughs> Um, but no, so that's that's an exciting bit of news, and it's even more exciting that um, without without absolutely knowing for sure, but obviously bringing that 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 shell at least show car down here shows that maybe there is that intention to sell it um, down here, which for for a car like that will be um, you know a very much uh, welcomed uh, addition to to our roads break up some of those Lamborghini hurricanes that are everywhere at the moment. Oh, they're all over the place. Yeah. Someone got a group by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's this What's this about a Lucid Air sedan? Yeah, so Lucid is one of those... Um, new, another one of the multi... Um, multiple electric sort of companies um, that in the US are bringing out lots of different you know like the american market for stuff um for this electric stuff is unbelievable so lucid motors is a saudi-backed uh car they've, they've announced their lucid air electric sedan um which will be priced roughly between 80 to 160,000 us um mm. so yeah it's a, it's another one Another brand to to bring out uh, another. Well, it's actually the this EV. It's, they're calling themselves an EV startup. I think you're a startup in the EV world if you haven't released a car. So there's lots of these EV startups out there at the moment. Um, but it's actually headed 517 by an ex- miles of range. That's yeah. huge. And it's massive. Um, but it's actually headed up by an ex Tesla engineer. So um, I think if Tesla had in, you know, should watch out because this is uh, this is a really good looking sedan it's very model s ish but also a little bit v-dub looking as well i reckon so yeah a little bit arteon yep they feel a lot more high-end though i think they're shooting for a um 
for the top end of the market rather than um, trying to get the entry level stuff. Oh yeah, it's not uh, a Model Three. I mean, yeah, where Tesla originally started. You look at the Model X. You know, really for what they do. Um, you know, it's pretty. It's pretty impressive with what they've created. But this thing is just absolutely brilliant by the way that it looks. Um, you can have a choice of wheels. You can either go. The Dream Edition will drive either 748 kilometers if you choose the 21 inch Aero Dream wheels or 809 kilometers if you use the 19 inch wheels it comes down to wheel size uh, mm. to get out depending on how much range you get out of it so um, yeah this is uh, this is an interesting looking thing um, no word this has all come out of America so no word whether it's coming to Oz but um, yeah it's an interesting looking um, it'd be a reason thing. to go visit America that's for sure to, to drive one of those oh yeah for sure yeah, well, it's uh, yeah, and it's over a thousand horsepower, um, which is nothing to, to sneeze at in any in any form. Um, but even so, so another electric vehicle, uh, particularly long range um, SUV, is uh, Volkswagen. So Volkswagen of America shared a prototype testing video, and it yeah, looks it's certainly quite interesting. Yeah, Volkswagen's got lots of stuff going on with the ID series at the moment. Yeah. Um, in terms of this ID four, which is going to be their their first long range SUV, and it's quite interesting looking at the video, talking to a couple of they interview a couple. It's obviously a promo video for Volkswagen, but it's quite interesting that it talks and they talk that it's, that it's a prototype that's currently not available for sale. But it shows that they're doing some serious testing in the US mm. um, to ready to go into that market because you know EV in, in the US is popular and everyone wants a wants a slice of it. So it's good to see that VW are, are doing. Um, um, this testing, you know, we know the ID3 is coming, but then they've also, we've also seen some teaser images or some spy photos during the week of the possible ID6, which is going to be a bigger model again. So Volkswagen's all in on this ID model range and, and what they're doing with their EVs, but this you know, possible ID6 that uh, we've been shot, we've seen some spy photos of, looks, again, looks like a stunning looking thing. Um, it's an interesting, interesting design with the, the, the of it, but you know, it it looks like a traditional. Um, it it kind of gives that feel of that people mover feel from um, from Mazda and stuff like that. That there's not so SUV, but more MPV. Um, yeah. And so yeah, I'm intrigued to see what you know, VW does does with this. You know, where it fits in the market, what markets it gets sold to. Does it come to Australia? Um, yeah, it's it's an exciting time for EV as more and more people work in this space mm. uh, so yeah I, I think I'm excited to see what it is and can't wait to actually get some um, some official announcement yeah it's uh, yeah it's going to be a really fascinating uh, time as we just see more and more of these vehicle launches being um, all about electric vehicles so it's uh, the future is definitely now that's for yeah we've got into that sure. We're going to that space now where people weren't revealing EVs for the novelty of, hey, look, we're building an EV. Mm. It's just mm. now, hey, we're building, here's another car that we're releasing. It's also an electric vehicle. So it's not a, it's, it's, um, well-rounded, well-thought-out packaging rather than trying to get in on the <clears throat> trying to get in on the hype, you know. So, absolutely, we, we're, we're down to the real-life stuff yeah. now, which is yeah. good. 
But uh, keeping it basic, the uh, the Ford Bronco, there seems to be a bit of a tease of a potential Raptor version. We mentioned it last week, uh, Joel, but it, it almost looks like a military vehicle in uh, in the huge wheel gaps and uh, just the, the sparseness of, of what it is. But I think it's a, it's kind of inevitable that we're going to get a Raptor version or some sort of, you know, extreme version of it, particularly with how, um, how popular the... The, the Bronco has been so far and, and given that you know there is usually a Raptor version of uh, most of these you know we've got it in the Ranger the F-150 there's one um, yeah so it's really just a, a matter of when really more than if uh, but yeah, yeah, look, I think it's one of those things. We knew that there was going to probably be a Raptor version. Um, we hoped that there was going to be a Raptor version. Ford themselves, you know, didn't put the hottest engine in the car. These picture, these spy shots show a sort of a wider track uh, on it. You know, why is a Bronco still running around in camouflage if they've got nothing to hide <laughs> yeah, if it's already right. out? So lots of questions. They're saying it probably be a 2021 model, um, which is kind of effectively anything from now on anyway. Um, but, yeah, they're talking that uh, it could could be the twin turbo three liter eco boost uh in it um you know whatever happens is sad for us because we're not getting it but uh it's good for our american friends mm. because um yeah it's exciting to see and it could be the basis that they base the the um the car that they take to baja sort of thing you know it could be a, a spin in with that as well so yeah whatever it is it's um it's pretty it's pretty cool to see and i can't wait to see when it's finally officially hopefully announced mm. yeah it's uh and and who knows how much and yeah i'd love to get it down here but <laughs> just the reality of things right now but look it's um another weird prototype getting around and and probably more because of the exhaust pipes uh that's coming out the back is the m4 that's getting around but it looks like with a with a bit of a funny permanent wing not like a ducktail that we normally see on like say csl variant um but it doesn't have the traditional uh quad exhaust pipes at the back either for an m vehicle it's actually got a, a weird orientation where it's almost like they're you know forming a forming a pyramid um on the back so that would be really interesting to see i don't know what um it'd be the first departure for, for bmw to do something like this um yeah what do, what do you think they're doing I want, to, yeah. I want to hear what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's the telltale. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I mean, there's, the pipes are really sticking out there too, so they're, they're shooting some noise out the back. Yeah. It's not just a, not just, not just a visual thing, but I, I don't know. What do you... Do they normally have wings like that on the back as well? Cause that seems... No, not at all. No, it's obviously so this is, Yeah, and, and it's quite heavy in terms of camo as well for the entire vehicle. For, for something where they've done plenty of teasers about... This is, um, yeah, this will be a cracker of a vehicle for sure if they're still keeping it under this much heavy uh, camo. They're they're hiding a lot of the diffuser work as well. Um, The exhaust shape, um, yeah, I don't know. Or is this a big ploy and it's all about teasing, you know, and misleading us like they did with that 8 Series, which made it look like it had a mid-engine. Now, we don't know if it ever did end up having a mid-engine hiding under there, but is this just... Uh, BMW being cheeky and um, you know having a good laugh and say ah let's let's do this and see what you know watch the media and everybody freak out about what could be happening 
Yeah, look, it's, who knows? It could be what it is. It's a test mule. It's obviously got the camo on it. You don't really yeah. know what is going on. But, yeah, it, it, it makes for interesting thinking um, to, to, you know, to, to work out what is happening. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, but look, one thing which we did get closure on is um, the the world premiere of the new Golf Estate and uh, Golf R Line, uh, which sort of follows up on those weird uh, all track versions we saw of that Golf R. Um, was it a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, I think this, it was a couple this of is the most. This is the most important release of the week, I reckon. Because <laughs> it's a wagon. <laughs> it's the wagon. Oh, I agree with I was, you, Mickey. I, I did catch up on these. Um, I can remember I follow some South American guy on Instagram who had photos of these that he stole from someone else. Mm. Um, but it's such a good-looking wagon. I mean, I, I've seen a few of the. I've seen the. Uh, a few shots of the hatch for the for the golf and thought, man, it's pretty average. And now that I flick through these, these don't look as good as the ones I saw on Instagram, um, but still good. Um, I, I just like that Volkswagen are sticking with a wagon, and we know that wagons are much more popular in Europe than what they are around the rest of the world. I'm just I'm just glad they're still there. In fact, I tried to get my wife into a golf all track, and she she wouldn't have a bar of it. But uh, <laughs> but but I was I was trying to desperately. <clears throat> they're just I mean we know golfs are always all-rounders in you know they're good in just about every department so i'm just glad that there's still another generation of golf wagon coming out onto our roads and, and moving around i don't know whether yeah. i'll actually be able to twist the wife's arm or not but i mean it's it looks good what do you what do you guys think i think it looks yeah good. it's in, it's an interesting change the this new version um what are we calling this uh what version is it? Golf. Oh, who knows? Eleven thirty-five. Yeah, this new version is a bit of a change. Nine, is it? It's a bit of a change up from the previous design. It's. Uh, I'm not convinced on the front end until I. Um, yeah, the front is a bit weird, isn't it? Till I till I see it uh, in in person, but really like the rear end of it. Um, I look. The R line is is exciting, and so is obviously the. Um, the Golf R version, but then obviously the other thing is is that the all track is pretty cool to see um, uh, in terms of what you know the difference that it has. Um, oh, I just lost the link. Gotta love this wonderful press site. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly a different different design. But yeah, I'm intrigued to see you know when how long it takes before it gets here. The Americans aren't getting it; they don't get the new this new generation. They're not coming to the US, so they're all a little bit upset that they're not getting it. Hopefully, we mm. will. Um, but I know that the um, Golf R wagon, the previous one, was a big seller, sold it really really quickly. Um, I've been tentatively looking recently at, at secondhand um, old tracks um, but maybe more a sat old tracks so uh, I'm intrigued to see what uh, what these are like once they land here yeah no it's uh, it'll be a matter of time it's uh, yeah it's good win glad that they're still doing it what's going on with this uh, unusual uh, Mercedes concept yeah, this is a weird thing that popped up uh, during in the press yeah. news feeds this week. Um, this thing's it was a bit left of field, wasn't the it? The Lander Nobody... Wagon. So yeah. it's a um, a collaboration, um, the first of its kind, between Mercedes-Benz and Chief Creative Director and founder of Off White and Men's. Uh, 
artistic director of Louis Vuitton, Virgil Abloh, um, which was it's this weird looking G class. You look at it in the photos, and it actually looks like it's an actual model, but it's actually a. Photo yeah, I thought it was off somebody's desktop. I thought yeah. somebody mm. had put it on their desk or something. But you look closer. There's actually a photo in the press kit of it actually being loaded into a trailer. So it's full size. I don't know whether it actually drives, um, but yeah, it's a, a very very interesting. Uh, it's a it's a unique artwork that is obviously a full size car, but someone's decided to have some fun and create a what well, kind of feels a bit cartoonish version of a of a G class. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. the art side of it, but I don't appreciate the <laughs> if the car aspect of it. It's one or the mm. other. I don't mm. think it's a an arty car. It's a nice yeah. piece of artwork. I'm I'm loving that interior though. I think that's probably the coolest part of it with the the very much racing focused interior, but obviously for a car like that. I, I when I first saw it, I almost thought it was like a going to be a Ken Block kind of model you know vehicle yeah um but yeah no it's uh, certainly left a field you got a bit of a mixed reaction when i posted online as well some people one person just posted nope um <laughs> it's like okay there you go <laughs> what are they like 35 inch wheels or something they look massive. yeah crazy crazy um but one one car that i just uh and I think this is a perfect way to finish off before we um, kick off to the to the Tyson Grand Prix is the Ares S Project. Debuts as a 705 horsepower Corvette C8 supercar, but looking at those Holy photos, Jesus. you'd never think of that. There you go. That's, that's, that's the appropriate reaction. So it's based on a Corvette C8 that donated the bodywork to it, and then uh, they've done gone and created their own thing. So quite unique-looking thing, and it's... Um yeah, it's huge wheels on it, but very interesting design. This is this is what I'd think. You know, this is what you expect to find in GTA. You know, it's like the, yeah. you know, the a special you know downloadable content vehicle. It looks so cool. Those wheels are awesome. It's got um, that it must be heavy um, turret though, isn't it? Yeah, but they, those wheels must be heavy unless they're full carbon with those sides. How big are they? Um, don't know, but there's a tongue poking see. out the back. Yeah. <laughs> and they say the sound it makes takes inspiration from old F1 V10s. Very high tonality. I think that's uh, that's selling it one way. They're going to build 24 <laughs> of them, and they're worth 500,000 euro each. That seems so cheap. Don't you think? Yeah, doesn't it? Mm. Yep. They'll be sold already. Yeah. For We're too late 24 of them. Let's go watch F1. Yeah. <laughs> for 1 million euros, that's an, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. For 1 million dollars here, that's that's good value. Um, but then, just last bit of things uh, before we leave, Top Gear is back. Um, new series. We've seen a bit of the filming uh, going on. and um, But yeah, Series 29 with the, the lineup looks to be good. I've seen some of the sneak peeks and uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, and they did a really cool launch. They, they filmed it as like a drive-in uh, movie. So instead of yeah. having the traditional, all the crowd in the hangar, they had everyone yeah. outside the hangar, but yeah. with their own cars. This is yeah. impressive pictures that Top Gear have released of all everyone lined up in a drive-in movie style of yeah. setup uh, very cool. with the hosts on stage uh, in the middle of it all. So mm. very, yeah, very cool. cool way to, to go about and doing it. And yeah. then at the behind the stage was a massive Boeing 747. 747. So yeah. Top Gear style of doing things. That's right. No, that's brilliant. And uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. the the series. has certainly uh, been improving um, with the new lineup of uh, 
of drivers. So yeah, no, I'm very yeah, I'm really excited for this. Very excited. But look, uh, let's wrap it up. We've got the Tuscan Grand Prix literally about to uh, about to start. So we'll let everybody uh, go and get comfortable, and, um, and hopefully it's a it's a good and exciting race. Uh, obviously, you'll know the results when you're listening to to this episode. Um, we've got a ton of news coming next week, which we already know about. Obviously, with these uh, with these releases. But look, I do want to say um, quickly to to everyone. Um, Thank you for, for joining us so far on uh, on this uh, journey that we're doing. Um, we do have some sort of plans uh, to, to offer more content uh, moving forwards as, uh, as lockdowns ease. And um, we're always looking at ways to we can uh, improve the episodes and, and go from there. But thank you for, for joining us so far. And um, if you're new, you can always send us an email at shows at dailyautofix.com if you have any questions, vehicles you want us to review. Um, and we're happy to, you know, to answer them or, or do our best anyway <laughs> with our collective knowledge um but thanks uh but also yeah thanks to to joel and mick as well thanks for for joining me uh every week and or mostly every week uh you know consistently that was aimed um, at me wasn't it yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> but um but no look yeah it's uh we you know we do it out of all of our own time um and uh because you know I think it was a. It's always nice to have someone to talk the news with and uh, or to listen to as well as uh, you know our, our listeners are doing. So, um, but yeah, it's been yeah. an exciting six months. It's it's gone by pretty quickly, and um, yeah, I think uh, we've got a few more episodes sort of uh, in us still to to go ahead with. Sure do. All right, well, uh, let's let's sign it off there. And uh, if you want to follow Joel or, or Mick, you can follow Joel at Joel Strict Photo and uh, and Mick at Low Flight Tech. And um, for everything else, at Daily Autofix. But until next week, uh, have a great week. Enjoy the race and uh, safe driving. Speak to you next week. Thanks. See you later. See ya.